I'm not sure if this happened during your first or second WCW run, but there's a lot of stories out there about the squeegee thing with you and Brian Pillman. Mm -hmm. Was that during your first or second run? That's actually when I was in the WWF. What it was, I had tore my bicep that night in Orlando, Florida, and I had left my car at the Hojo's that everybody stayed at. I'm sitting there talking to them. And actually that night, Magnum TA, and they were trying to talk me into coming back to WCW. And I was just telling them how great things were. Um, Brian Pillman started running his mouth, and I said, hey, fuck you. And I had a torn bicep. You know what I mean? I couldn't, I couldn't have fought if I wanted to. And so I just remember getting up. My car was dead. The guy was giving me a boost, and uh, Pillman was out there, and it just so happens it was in the floorboard of, my, it was, uh, of the passenger seat. And I grabbed it and said, hey, motherfucker, you want me to whack you in the fucking head with this? Of course, he didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so it's, it's kind of an exaggerated Yeah, instance. of course. thing is this. If, if Brian Pillman never had anything... You know, if he really wanted to be a tough guy, when I beat him up that time in War Games, legitimately, and sent him through that cage, he had all the reason he could have fought right then. He didn't want to fight. Oh, was that the power bomb thing? Yeah. Or, uh, was that an accident? No, that was purposely. Were you basically power bombed him on his head? Well, about sending him through the cage, then his head. Yeah. And this is the reason why. Like, uh, like he would come, you know, him and everybody, not just him, all the baby faces hated working with me in the Northeast because they got booed. So we were in the Meadowlands one night. He didn't want to take my finish. And Magnum said, no, you're going to take the finish. So he's always, he was always whining and always complaining. And, uh, and so when we were in Phoenix at the war game, I said, this is, you know, he's running his mouth back there. And so I drove him as hard as I could to the cage and as hard as I could to the mat and sent him to the hospital. After months of tension, let the war games begin. First time, live on pay-per-view. Sunday night, February 24th, an explosive eruption, Wrestle War 91. Two rings enclosed in a steel cage. Two teams battle, each submission or surrender. There's no escape. We've declared war! Witness World Championship Wrestling Superstars stay at Lex Luger. The true threat of the Steiner Brothers. The aerial assault of Brian Bryan. And the Horseman Ride. Our duke at Wrestle War 90. Wrestle War 91 featuring War Games. Live only on pay-per-view. Sunday, February 24th. Alright guys, thanks for hitting download on Wrestle War 91 as part of Season 5 of the New Blood Rising Podcast. I'm William Rankin, joined of course by Jason Keesler. Hello. Charlie Stabile. <laughs> How you doing? And folks, we're fully entrenched now. We're finally at our first Wrestle War. These are, this, this is kind of like, would this be the Royal Rumble of sorts for them, for WCW? I don't know. But it feels like it just because you have this big, massive gimmick match with the two rings and everything. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? Do you feel like it's kind of... How do you stack it with Star, uh, with like Super Brawl and with Starcade? Where do you put it? Ooh, that's tough because I think that once uh, once the World War III gimmick comes around, this one kind of loses its steam. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd like that in a way, since in WCW... 
Starcade, the end of the year was the end of their year for stories and WrestleWar like this is you know it feels like this is something that should be the blow off of a feud between factions or groups but uh it's it's like a really good kickoff so i mean i think it's you know like i would maybe put it at the survivor series level mm -hmm. uh, ranking their pay-per-views it does feel it like does make it, it, i mean and, and we'll see it in here the super brawl promos make it seem like it's wrestlemania they kind of have this like it's very grandiose. Charlie, what do you think? What do you think Russell War is kind of like the Royal Rumble? No. No, I I I could never keep the War Games match straight like in terms of what show is this going to be on? Is this Battle Bowl? Okay, it's not Battle Bowl. All right, well, it's Wrestle War. But then like later on like when I was actually really in WCW, it would be on a pay-per-view called War Games. So I I could never keep it straight with with what like the one thing that I thought was cool about it, the WWF didn't do, and I thought it was an excellent way to sell more toys, was that it was the WCW was the only show that had the multiple rings thing going on, and I thought that was so cool as a kid. And and I don't I don't know anyone like that had the toys growing up that had more than one ring. I did, and I did this match. I would do. See, I would have done this match. <laughs> I did but, Battle Bowl because that's what's crazy. Ninety one, they're gonna do two rings twice. See, that's what I'm talking about. And, and it got confusing for me. And I think at one point, I think WCW does three rings. Yes. Right? Or, yes. That's the World War Three stuff. See, and that's what, yeah, and then, <laughs> yeah, Jason, I totally forgot about World War Three until you brought that up. Uh, yeah, it just, I never really felt like WCW was cohesive with this kind of stuff. I love the concept of war games. Yeah. The actual match, like, it's really cool. Although it's interesting, like, the, the longer the match goes, the more confused the cameramen seem to get. I don't think that... In terms of, well, what do, we look, what do we do? I am not a huge fan. Like, these guys needed to get something straight with what was going on with their cameras outside the ring. The hard cam looks good. The cameras on the, the outside look like... The inside the ring. They don't look awesome. like they're either white balanced. <laughs> they don't look like... I don't know. Because they you can have cameras that are not the same type and, and make it look the same. But something looks very off. Like, yeah, it, there were a couple of times I thought I was losing internet connection. And there, no, it, it, it was those cameras. And you can see whoever the WCW or whoever's running the, the truck back there is like, all right, just cut to a quick and let's get out of there because it looks so weird. There are a couple of times where they don't hold that cam very long and they get it, they try to get back to the hard cam as quickly as possible. It's really it's weird. Just, anytime I see this match uh, in, in any form in any year, the, the, the one problem that's always consistent is that the cage isn't tall enough. How, why didn't they ever make the cage tall enough? I mean, the logistics of the show are, are pretty poor. Because the other thing I think about, too, are the fans. Like, like they they alternate rings for the singles matches or the, the other matches. You know what I mean? I like that. Well, they, like, if I'm on the other side, it, you know, I can't see. I don't see I, both matches. I don't see all the matches the same. From the like, I'm at mm -hmm. one. My vantage point doesn't change, but they're changing theirs to where if, if I'm on one side and they're on the far side, then it doesn't it I it doesn't look as cool. That's why, like logistically, this is one of those things that I I can see why WWF wouldn't do this because it's like the fans' experience should be the same from their seat. Now, granted, that would all change. And they're like, you know what? Let's go brawl in the back for like an hour. So nobody can oh, see yeah. it except the people on the screen. The cameras might go back there. They might right. not. I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Like the uh, the Big Show Kane Raven match from WrestleMania. There you yeah. go. There you go. 
where everyone that paid gets fucked over. That would be my only problem with going to a war games is if I bought ringside seats, I'm only ringside seat half the time. Yeah, but I do think it's kind of cool in a way that, you know, oh, you're this person's shitty seat just turned into a really good seat. You know, the, like, that's the only benefit I see to it. Uh, I, I, even though I don't really understand why they need to use both rings unless they're just like, well, let's just see if the ropes are tight enough in that other ring. You know, like, let's bounce around, you know, a couple of guys in there. I, I don't really understand that, but um, I, I, I don't really have so much of a problem with it. I think think with WCW in a situation like this, you would know what you were getting into. <laughs> yeah, I just... it. Yeah, I get it. I mean, like, I... I'm glad I'm glad they don't do this all the time because like well I'll tell you one thing that makes it fun though is so, all right what are the fans doing on this side this time it's that that <laughs> like I love the 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 black family in the front that doesn't like Bobby Eaton really doesn't well, like on. Bobby Eaton those those people are are awesome like they are, yes, they are. smiling they are <laughs> smiling the entire show and uh, and it doesn't matter. Like, and you're right, though. Like, they see. I thought they liked everybody but Bobby Eaton, who I thought was fantastic on this. show. Oh yeah. Well, one of my favorite uh, audience characters from this episode is Captain Arizona. He is on the left hand ring side. He's the dude in the red T-shirt, the ma- the camo MAGA hat, and the handlebar mustache who hates every referee. It is fantastic <laughs> watching this guy through the night. Like, like he. It, it's not a, you don't have to go looking for him. He finds you because even when the show is closing out and it's the shot of, of Jim Ross and Dusty Rhodes talking like the camera guy moves to get this dude off the screen because he is cutting a fucking promo on somebody. He's got the <laughs> finger point. He is so disappointed. I, I, I like that guy a lot. Wait, wait a minute. Will I, I didn't see it on the show. I think you posted it on Twitter. Which fan was it that gave the middle finger? It's the family. Like this guy, no, <laughs> this guy in the front. It was them, wasn't it? He gets so mad at Bobby Eaton. Like he stands up a couple times and he's talking some real trash. But the thing, I'm, I'm curious what Bobby Eaton was saying back to him. He's such a pro that he probably played it off very well. Yeah. Hey, come on! I'm from the dark side. <laughs> it, it looks like such a casual middle finger. <laughs> Just. How you doing? <laughs> it's the coolest little fingers. <laughs> All right. So before we get into this, uh, we got a. This is really cool. Nick. He's um. He's at. God dang it! I'm trying to pull up his handle here real quick. He sent us. He. What was cool, Jason? Was he kind of picked up where you left off with the last um, with our last season? It's at Lincoln Phoenix. L I N K I N Phoenix. He sends us here. This is February 24th, 91. The number one movie is Silence of the Lambs. Made eleven million this week, or that you know, the week that we're talking about, nineteen ninety one. The number one song was "All the Man I Need" by Whitney Houston in the United States. The number one song in the UK was "Do the Bartman" from The Simpsons. <laughs> and just to add another extra little bit of a, add a little bit, a little bit more sizzle to the steak. A little is, bit of pepper on the steak. God dang it! <laughs> For, the number one song in Australia is "I've Been Thinking About You" by London Beat. So there you Ooh, go. Good song. The champions at the time, the NWA slash WCW champion is Ric Flair. The U.S. champion is Lex Luger. The World Tag Team Champions are Doom. We're going to get to that because there are some shenanigans going on with the World Tag Team titles, but I don't want to give it away now, unless you guys already know. The U.S. Tag Team Champions are still currently the Steiner Brothers, who never seem like they really have to defend them anyway. 
But they're on that Dean Ambrose plan. And, and speaking of the Dean Ambrose plan, clearly the TV champion Arn Anderson is very much on the Dean Ambrose plan as well. Man, I just I just threw my arms up in the air when I heard that. They're like, "Well, Arn's uh, not going to be able to be on uh, wrestling tonight." And I'm like, "Oh, of course." Man, now, who do they replace him with? Are you kidding me? Now, of course, <laughs> uh, <laughs> up north, uh, the WWF champion is Sergeant Slaughter. Intercontinental champion is Mr. Perfect, and the tar- the tag team champions are the Heart Foundation. So, uh, well, three belts. Every, where the heart's healed. Yeah, and that's something, three belts. Yeah. It is only just, that's it, folks. <laughs> so all the champs at this point in time were heels. That's so cool leading into WrestleMania. That's weird. Yeah, the, the WWF usually didn't do that. And, mm-hmm. Well, they okay. had a war to promote, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> they had a what? A war to promote. We had oh, to get Jesus. That. We got to have all the good guys win. All of them. He Let's also added a, Canada. He added a really cool note for us about the. We talked about the Vader Shamrock, obviously, before we found out Leon White passed away. But we talked the. There was a a match. The match we talked about the ease up, the ease up match with the Ken Shamrock. Thing. So, um, Vader. Did, did you guys ever know how what the injuries were that Vader sustained in that match? Because it's pretty. Oh, extensive. he got injured. Oh yeah. No. Okay, here we go. This was at Cold Day in Hell uh, in your house. Um, after the match, Vader had the following injuries. Nose was broken in four places. Fluids had to be drained from his knee, and his legs were so battered that he was unable to walk for the next five days. That, Shamrock did this. Yeah. That's why I like Jesus. <laughs> Not just a moniker. He is the world's most dangerous man. Yeah. Why? Why would he? Uh, man. Well, Wait. how about Shamrock? Did he have a concussion? I know. That's the thing that's not written. Because, <laughs> I mean, as hard as Shamrock's hitting him in that little gif, yeah. it doesn't come close to Vader's waffling of him. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get started with our show here. It's February 24th, 1991. We're in Phoenix, Arizona. Definitely the heartland of WCW. Um, 6,800 people. <laughs> Capacity crowd is 6,800. <laughs> Woo! Capacity crowd. By rate 1.2. We open up with some desert footage as Tony Schiavone hypes the card. Pretty loud crowd with the sinking WCW sign. I still don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get that sign. I've looked at it from a ton of angles. I feel like I'm Jim Garrison getting through the JFK <laughs> conspiracy with this thing. It drives me crazy. I'm sorry. Anyway, Tony gives us this brief rundown of the car before he sends it to JR and Dusty Rhodes. Dusty looks like he's sporting his, uh, what would later be his WCW NWO revenge outfit. (laughs) (laughs) They did. Someone just went back. Let's put him in the Wrestle War 91 outfit. (laughs) I didn't even notice. (laughs) Just keep waiting for Goldberg to come around the corner and spear him. Because, Charlie, remember that also with revenge? Like, if you had two players plugged in, like, you could be the manager. So I, I would always, like, somebody you pick could Scott be Hall. The manager. Somebody pick Scott Hall so I can be Dusty Rhodes and just so waffle I can be people. Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, baby. Yeah, I, th- that's one of those things we didn't find out for, like, the first year or two mm-hmm. that you could be one of the managers. All right. So we're kicking off with I'm so pumped for this. I don't have a ton of background on it, and that's fine. We can probably like park it, uh, parking lot that till uh, till next time. I'm so excited that we have the six man tag team titles. 
I, and the only reason is because like, I thought this title was so neat and cool. Like there wasn't a ton you could do with it, but it was kind of like this cool thing you could throw on TV or have like first, second match of the card. I just always kind of enjoyed it just because of the randomness you could create with, with your champions. In this case, um, we've got the big cat and the state patrol, which is Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker and Le Lieutenant James Earl. R I was about to say Lieutenant James Earl Ray. Uh, James, James Earl Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant James Earl Wright versus the electrifying combination of Tommy Rich, Ricky Morton, and the Junkyard Dog, <laughs> who are the man. current six six man. Everyone tag team hit champions. random. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, they don't have any belts yet, but that's okay. I mean, I I. I am kind of curious, like, like poor Junkyard, like, how did he, I, I'm curious how he got mixed up into this, because it doesn't seem like he was really too much a part of WCW at this point. I don't think we've seen him on a pay-per-view since, what, was it Great American Bash? Like, our first episode, something like that? I feel like it's been a while since we've seen the dog, but... Yeah, he's been in the dog pound for... <laughs> <laughs> he was nurturing a young Roman Reigns somewhere. <laughs> da -da. So um, here we go, Jason. What do you th uh, kick us off here? What do you think of the six-man tag team championship we got here? Well, the random button memorial match was really, really fun. Um, I don't know if I would have kicked off the show with this because, as you've said, and I think we're all agree with it, you need an opening theme or just the first person to come out needs to get this crowd electric. And I don't know if the Big Cat and the Highway Patrol are really the way to get this crowd ready. Um, but, you know, we, we just, I don't know. What's weird is, didn't a couple weeks ago Ricky Morton suffer uh, being turned on by a friend and rival, Mr. Terrence Taylor, uh, that he's just moved on and found some new buddies uh, and apparently keeps getting albatrossed with old poor wildfire Tommy Rich. Um, but I don't know. There are seats. We were talking about the capacity crowd. You know, we were making jokes how there that there are rows and rows and rows of empty seats, including at ring like in the ringside area. But there are seats behind the entryway that have people in it. Yeah. I've never seen that before. <laughs> like I know it's not really high. It's not like you go to the raw set and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you just look at the back of the lights or something. But I saw these poor people up there. I'm like, couldn't someone say, hey? Come on, let's go ahead and move you to on camera. Yeah, and, I don't know. And why didn't they have the balls to move themselves? Because <laughs> it, no, no, no. I'm seriously. If if, if if me and Will were there, we'd be like, no, and like we would find a way to get out there. Let's look like uh, Arquette and Khan and, and ready to rumble. It's like this is no good. <laughs> so Charlie, we if, if, when we were at Survivor Series in 2015, do you think we, would we have done it then, all three of us? I don't. Well, those seats were pretty good. They were good. I'm except, just saying, but, except for that, except for that tripod uh, that we had to deal with. Yeah, that guy Smokey comes up. And he's like, "All right, I'm gonna park here, watch his Ziggler match, and pull up Smokey. a cell phone." What's gonna happen? Like we we were so excited, like, "Oh man, what's gonna happen?" It's literally, I think, just for the to do a zoom in on Ziggler's face from like the complete opposite end of the Phillips Arena. What the fuck? Like, I just like man. the idea that they would be, you know, designated those crappy seats above the entryway and just go, well, this is our fate. <laughs> and, they just, and then not do anything about it. Like, because I, because I, I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, I would think WCW would want the lower bowl to appear filled because there comes a point where you can't see past a, a certain point because of the lighting in the audience. Right. 
That's but, what I was getting at. <laughs> come on down here with, nope. They didn't even the, think about it. The point is, never say capacity crowd. Never say that. Because we're, we're going to look for it, and we're going to find it, and we're going to figure out that there's more empty seats than there are filled ones. I don't know <laughs> if we would have looked for it then. You know what I mean? I don't know. But they say it all the time. Well, well, okay. Like with the rise of the internet, yeah. Yeah. Like fans got a little snarky. You can't say it but now. If you say it now, you're in, like you're setting yourself up. You better be full. Yeah. Um, like I remember, I think for Raw, like back in like the late '90s, there would be a sellout every single week. And then, and then, like starting like in the early 2000s, there wouldn't be a sellout. And 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 Jim Ross would say something that almost made it sound like a positive. You know, like we are at near a near sellout tonight, or or we are almost at full capacity. We he'd say something like that. But this, they just flat out go, "We are at we are at capacity crowd levels." Here. Hey, Gravy, just like, we got some. Hey, man, we got some extra seats. All right, I'm just gonna come. It's gonna be honest. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be hilarious because the thing about Wrestle War is with the two rings that limits the seats, and they still can't fill it up. Right. <clears throat> yeah. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna break it to you honestly. Uh, <laughs> we priced those tickets probably fifteen dollars outside of the normal range, and uh, it just did not benefit us properly. Well, the the SmackDown that I had the Buff Bagwell encounter, my boss bought ten tickets for a dollar and fifty cents a piece. So, yeah, wow, they were trying to get they were trying to get it full, trying to get full it filled, yeah, for TV, yeah. And I mean, like, so they were blasting out the companies like, hey, you know, because shit, man, I can spend 15 bucks and get here. I don't care if you go or not. That Don't say I've never given you anything. It's one of my employees. Right. So I don't That's know. But back- really interesting because like because Phoenix, Arizona, like I just don't see them being a WCW town. Like It's not that I don't see there being a big wrestling town. It's just what the hell is WCW? <laughs> exactly. And, I, and people showing up. I just think that that was the mistake. They went too far west. But anyway, <clears throat> Jay- well, maybe it's. The WCW Wrestle War crowd that they decided, it, you know, what ten years later to do the Buff Bagwell versus Booker T match in Washington State. I know. Yeah, I, think, I think the anniversary for that just happened, did it not? Yep. Yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, yeah, because what was it? A week later, they were going to be in Atlanta, and they're yeah. like, no, no, <laughs> we're going to put is, it on here. Which is weird. That was like, clearly, like, they wanted it to fail. I've heard some stuff that's debunked that a little bit. Like, that's not as big a deal as we made it out to be. And I can't remember the source, but I remember it. And it seemed like it was a pretty legitimate argument about it. I can't remember, like, the the, the stuff around it. Because I remember that was always the easiest thing to point. I was like, what are you doing this here? Why don't you just wait? And, of course, the flip side was always, well, they wanted it to fail. That's why they did it here. You know, and I'm always like, why would you want something to fail? It's going to make you money like that. That doesn't well, make sense. It never has made well, sense. Well, now, hold on. Uh, like, let's talk about this. Like they always put the blame on Buff Bagwell. I think I think I watched that match when we were when we were talking about that time period. That's it's just like any other Buff Bagwell match. He is the exact same in that match that I see him in his WCW matches. Well, I don't know what WWE was expecting <laughs> for his first match back, but he's 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 not exactly Luthez. So, I, I don't know. It, it, it definitely seems to me that they were trying to set that up for a fail. Which is just, I, I don't, like, that. that's the thing. It's it does, doesn't make sense because that would have made money. Like, it would have made them money. 
to set it up for I. And then again, it comes down to what were your expectations going into this? Was is what I would want to know? Like, or are you expecting this to? You know, are you expecting a certain rating coming out of it? What what tangibly are you trying to expect? Because if you say we want the crowd invest, it's like, well, that's that's a soft kind of expectation. Like I can't attach anything to that because the crowd you 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 do that nowadays. Like every match is awesome, and that so that doesn't I can't really well, gravitate towards that anymore as being a reason. I still say this: they should they should have waited a year. They shouldn't have even waited a week. They should have waited a year for the contracts to go up so they could have gotten more talent. Of course. You don't want your first match to be Booker T versus Buff Bagwell. Booker T had just become a main eventer, like, within the last year. I mean, so he wasn't synonymous with WCW at that time. Although he held the belt, like, 20 times within that last year from 2001. He... <laughs> it doesn't seem like it, but, <laughs> yeah, he, 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 it bounced around with him. And I think he even fit in a... Uh, a uh, what was that other gimmick he had? GI Bro. I think he even managed to fit in another one of those runs during that last year. Yeah, he was also briefly just Booker. That's right. Minus the T. Well, because he lost the trademark. He lost to Dominic <laughs> Johnson. <of> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, J- anyway. J- Jason. Let's get into this thing, man. What do you think of this match? Um. Well, you get the Junkyard Dog versus the Big Cat. I got nothing, which is what I think creative had when they booked this match. But um, we got less than eight minutes into the show, and I'm already exhausted because of the commentary. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to be negative to keep it like to keep the jokes going from the last episode we did. Uh, but Dusty Rose is overwhelming on this show. Um, at times, it feels like there's a three-man booth, even though it's just Dusty and Jim Ross, <laughs> because. He's being the heel and babyface color commentator because he keeps contradicting himself and he cuts himself off. Like he has a thought and he stops himself mid thought and goes to it. So I've got a couple examples here that are just from the first match. Sergeant Buddy and Lieutenant White, they say they arrest people at will, but they ain't with the highway patrol anymore. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, I, I just don't get it. Uh, this one's probably... Oh, no. Uh, yeah, this is one of my favorite. <laughs> the Big Cat is a tremendous athlete. Looks like he could still play a little ball. But he's in a different sport now. Professional wrestling, WCW style, baby daddy, baby. Um, then, yeah. And, and then the last... And these are all within two minutes of each other. This is what's crazy, is... You see a lot of power here. I'm telling you now, there, there, they're right here. We're gonna we're gonna see who's the strongest or who is the cages. What? The fuck? <laughs> I think there was a little bit of truth that came out of Dusty like an hour and a half later when he alluded yeah. that he might have Cavassier under yes. the table. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which the thought of him drinking Cavassier and being the ladies' man was like was was in my head the whole time. But what I went to was I just immediately started pl- in my head playing the Buster Rhymes past the Cavassier video, and Mr. T is just replaced by Dusty Rhodes in the video, making it even cooler than what it was. <laughs> just it'd be great, but uh, I just that—that's what I'm like. Those are just examples. Again, I'm not trying to be. Oh, look at this! Look at this! Like it is just a lot. I feel like I am like if you've ever you know you go to have like a, a quarterly or annual review from your boss and your boss just just lays into you with the compliments 
and the how you can improve, but he doesn't separate the two, and you're just like, what the fuck do I do? Um, but just going into it, it's like uh, at Jim Ross in the middle of the match thinks that he needs to explain to us how to tell the junkyard dog and get the big cat apart from one another. Uh, JYD and White, big cat and red. Then he calls the junkyard dog JY. He calls it again. Like I, I was right down. Why do you call him JY? Three times. <clears throat> he calls JY for the rest of the match. Like his name is JY Dog. And he's just like, I, like, what the fuck are you doing? Why do you need to abbreviate JYD? It's already an abbreviation. Um, Yo, wait, wait a second, Jay. Do you remember when Dusty said, I didn't write it down, but I definitely remember when he said, the JYD Dog. Yes. <laughs> the junkyard dog, dog. It just sounds like if you went to some restaurant that was, like, wrestling-themed and they were, like, not really creative with the menu, they're like, well, what do we do a hot dog? Oh, the Junkyard Dog Dog. Like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Which is obviously a hot dog too big to eat, so you have to fork and knife it, but still. (laughs) Which I hate. Uh, Some actual wrestling in in this here wrestling review. Sergeant Bailey Parker picks up Ricky Morton and holds him for 30 seconds while he and Lieutenant White telepathically go over what spot is supposed to happen. It's fucking incredible. It's he's holding him almost like they're going to do uh, for the like the Midnight Express and the Headbangers where they would hold one and the other one would do like a neck breaker slash big leg drop combo from the top rope. You know what spots I'm doing? Mm-hmm. And they're looking at each other and their mouths don't move, but their eyes lock. And then it's like a it, it's a thirty second spot. And he just looks at him and he nods and then just does some like half ass thing. It's really really awkward. Um, and because it, this is WCW, we, we learn that the main event may not be what is advertised before the first match is even over, as Arn Anderson may be injured and will be replaced by Larry Zabisco. Like I'm just watching Ugh. this. If you're a horse, like if you're a guy who's like, I'm ready to finally, I ain't seen the horsemen together be the horsemen in a long time. This is it. And it's Sting and Pillman and the Steiners. And then you, Larry's a Bisco. <laughs> like, no. Um, Where did they get that old fossil? <laughs> yeah. But, and I like, like I'm, I'm weird. I liked Larry's a Bisco on commentary on like the WCW Saturday night of the mid 90s run. Because it was just, it was very different from the commentary until he joined the Nitro commentary booth for whatever reason. But it was real different. It was real, real nice. Um, but we get a we get a first here for season five, and I'm very happy for this. For the first time, Tommy Rich succeeds in getting some of the fans to clap along with him. So I'm very happy to see that. <laughs> I got loud yeah. like, so the bitch did it. Uh, the you know, the there's some good wrestling moves in here. I like the tandem battering ram headbutt slash bulldog elbow drop sequence that the state patrol do. Like, they're working as a team. You know, they're not just in the same uniform. Um, but I don't know. It's just they say that during the commentary that this is the third annual Wrestle War 91. So were all previous Wrestle Wars Wrestle War 91s? Can't you just say it's the third annual Wrestle War? I don't know. It's just this constant 91, 91 was really driving me nuts. Um, And so I'm getting to the end of this because I I had a lot to say about this match, believe it or not. Um, Even without our now. Yeah, even without our (laughs) uh, 2001. But uh, what I don't get is how a trio of rookies is consistently outsmarting a trio of veterans with as much experience as Ricky Morton, Tommy Rich, and the Junkyard Dog. The big cat punches one of them on the apron. Rich tries to come in 
and the rookie ref that they love to tell us is a rookie pushes him back out because he's doing what refs are supposed to be doing. And then not during this whole skirmish does JYD try to sneak in and help his friend. No, he waits till the ref gets J uh, Tommy Rich completely out. Then he tries to go in and the ref catches him. It's just like, no, I don't, I don't get it. Um, and Ricky Morton's in there getting murdered like Ricky Morton should. Um, but at some point, we get a hot tag. Junkyard Dog turns into John claude Van Damme as all the heels only come after him one at a time. And he fights them all off successfully. Um, then it gets confusing. Because Junkyard Dog, or Jay, as he's known now in the streets, pins Sergeant Parker, who is not the legal man. But Big Cat breaks this up. The illegal Ricky Morton then pins illegal Buddy Lee Parker for the win. I don't, what the fuck just happened to that? That was like someone said, we got to wrap this up. Um, and it's the end. So I gave this match a three. Man, and one point he buried that, it. <laughs> but I give this a three. And one point of that is because of the State Patrol's teamwork. <laughs> God dang, Jason. <laughs> he went for the shovel right off the bat. Dude, it, this, to, this should not have been the opener. The next match should have been the opener to me. All right, With sure. the level of excitement. But we'll get into it. I can't wait to hear Charlie's vitriol. Then, if this is a three from Jason, here we go. Well, <laughs> okay. Um, I'll I'll say this, Jason. He he said everything that needed to be said. So I'll just drive home two <laughs> points that really, really bothered me. I for for whatever reason didn't really pay attention to Dusty in this. Um, I think it was simply because I knew Jr. would say something stupid. I knew he was going to do it, and <laughs> I got my wish. And Jason <laughs> did mention it, but I'm going to mention it too, and I'm going to drive it home a little bit more. I know who the fucking junkyard dog is. <laughs> I know what he looks like. I, he's he's the only, I, I he wears thump. Like he's the guy with thump on the back of the tights. He's always been that guy. He's always he's always worn white. He shaved his head. That's the only thing. Which that was the one thing that Dusty did say that kind of made me go, "What?" He goes, he goes "Yeah, he kind of looked a little bit like a George Foreman uh, with his head shit." No, he doesn't. He doesn't look anything like George Foreman. But whatever. Jim Jim Ross feels the need to point out that the junkyard dog is in white tights and the big cat is in red tights. Um, I, I mean, okay, yeah, I guess it was the big cat at WrestleMania three. Uh, it's just so <laughs> dumb, and I know what Jim Ross is doing. I know what he's doing, and I hate looking at this through 2018 lenses, but I just can't help it. I just can't help it. I think it's racist. I really <laughs> do. It's just, I just, you, you got to call it like it. Like it's not going to be like. I'm sorry. I, I, you know who I, who I'm more likely to get more confused? Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich. Yes, <laughs> I am much more likely to get those two confused. Luckily, they're on the same team. But no, like they're they're in the ring, and there's this little pause. And yep, JYD and White and Big Cat and Red. Thanks a lot, Jim Ross. Thanks a fucking lot. Expert commentary, as we'll see for the rest of the night. No shit is literally what I screamed out loud when I was watching this on TV. Charlie, do you think maybe, just maybe, he got fed that line that he that you need to do that, Jim, from the people uh, in the truck? E either either he came up with it on his own, he was fed that line in earnest, or he was fed that line be because the guys try to make him look bad. Because there is a pattern of these kinds of comments 
like uh, with what's his face. Uh, uh, what was it in the last show where Jim Ross goes, yeah, he's a great role model, folks, for kids of all color. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh, you <laughs> Ranger Rick or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Ranger, Ranger Ross. Ranger Ross. Yeah, just for, for, for kids of all color or for kids of all types. So just, why would you say that? I mean, in no, the end, just, no matter what, it comes off bad. It comes off very poor in 2018. It comes off bad. Like, like, it'd be one thing if it was, like, two wrestlers that I've never heard of. Maybe if it was Big Cat and another black wrestler that Mr. maybe Hughes. I'm not that familiar with. Or here's an idea, okay? Maybe ex- tell us, explain how to tell the two guys that are in the same uniform apart. Yes, I was going to say that, too. They, they are wearing yeah. the exact same tights. Yes, because they're the state patrol, you know. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> that. But, 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 like, let's let's dial back to 1991. I believe, like, Junkyard Dog might have been the most well-known black wrestler. He might have been at the time. He was very popular, I remember, yeah. back then. Yeah. And I, I, I just I just think it's insulting. Anyway, and we'll see more of this later on. Um, this was, a, yep, and as Jason said this, too, this is where <laughs> it's, like, first match. Yep, double-A can't make it. Uh, yeah. And and I see him come out to the ring, you know, during that match, and I'm like, he looks fine, whatever. Um, and of course, like just this ending, I think the referee just wanted out of it. JYD uh, is a legal man. Ricky Morton literally just tagged out of the match. He just tagged JYD, and you know, let's see if this works. <laughs> and then he goes for the cover and gets a three count. <laughs> just whatever. I was like, this match is it's terrible. It's so bad and it was such a cool idea uh with these tag belts but i just can't get invested in this and the state patrol i think is hilarious uh who is james earl Wright? like did he ever was he ever another gimmick because he looked familiar but i couldn't place him uh i, I don't, don't know i, don't I think know. the state patrol they're around for a while i was just wondering if that guy was ever repackaged but uh the match is it's it's not good it's I'd give it a much more positive three out of ten than Jason, if that makes sense. Because uh, I just kind of just casually was like, yeah, three. But Jason was three. Yeah. <laughs> I want to poison this pay-per-view. <laughs> it's mad. <laughs> I'm going to war with the six-man tag team title match. <laughs> it's just, it's it's a horrible way to open. And yes, and, even, and Jason, you even got it right with, with the very end. <laughs> Well, the thank next, you. <laughs> yeah, the next match is what should have opened this card. That would have been perfect. Uh, but yes, I give this a three. All right. Um, I I kind of love the the finish because it reminds me of a video game finish where it's like you hit your finisher and the guy kicks out. It's like, well, no, just pin him again. You might get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't want you to count again because charlie you've mentioned this too like if you hit your finisher or you hit a sig- big time signature and the guy kicks out well don't fret just cover him again you might get it it has worked before yeah it's, yeah I, i've seen it in those old thq games and it's like what <laughs> or like, like what do i'll do not is have the energy i'll just pick do him up and the... do like a, a body slam and cover him <laughs> like a lame <laughs> Like it, it was always a move to try if you were doing an Iron Man match because yeah. like anything like an Irish whip could get a pinfall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like once you pass like the thirty minute mark, you're just I'm so tired. <laughs> the other thing they've mentioned too in this match, they don't just mention the Arn Anderson thing. They tell us Pillman is pretty hurt too. We're not sure. Uh, you know, 
And then we he we'll, seems way more hurt than Arn Anderson. Oh well, by the end of the night, yes, he is very oh, much. Man. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, you got you guys bring up some good points. Uh, looking through the match, like based on your points, like I think it kind of evens it out for me. So I'll give this a four. I think I had this a little bit higher coming into today, but uh. But the, no, but but no, but you guys make some good points because I'll be honest, I didn't pay attention to the tags very much at the end. Um, I thought Ricky Jay literally tags out. <laughs> I know. I just, right I just, in. I missed it. I just missed it. But the thing, um, the thing that I definitely thought was weak, no matter what, I thought JYD was weak. Like I thought yeah. all his punches looked like crap, and he just and and I don't, I don't know where the guy's at at this point. Like if he's, re- if he's, if this is just a paycheck just to do it. Because I've always heard, I've never watched him in, um, is it UWF or, or um, Mid-South? I thought it was AWA. Like, I, when he was with uh, with um, Bill Watts, because like, I know they're, I can't remember if it was, it was actually UWF when he was doing it, but regardless, I heard when he was with him, he was, he was as popular as Hulk Hogan in professional wrestling. See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he was huge so, for a time. That's that's what's kind of a bummer. It's like you know, seeing him here, it just kind of looks this big like, cat. Yeah, he's got. I mean, that power slam looks great, but otherwise, I'm just like, eh. There's just the punches look weak, and he just doesn't seem like he's that invested. And that's, hey man, I get it, I get it. But off to the kennel. <laughs> oh no. Well, that's also here's one thing to to go in and like junk, junkyard dog. You think of some of his move sets, some power slams. He's got the the all four headbutt stuff like that. Now, there's also a, a, a stubby little white dude in WCW doing the exact same shit right now that's way more over than Junkyard Dog is. Because, like, Rick Steiner just assimilated Junkyard Dog's moveset. <laughs> you think a point. Right. All right, so yeah. let's um, let's move on here. We got Tony with Alexander York and Terrence Taylor. Well, actually, he's still Terry Taylor. I can't jump ahead yet. He's not... I've, I've already jumped ahead. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's the computer... Definitely. What is it? The computerized band of the 1990s? Yes, it's hilarious. What a moniker. What a moniker. <laughs> it's too it's too mouthy. A little bit it too mouthy. It takes too long to say. Um, they're and talking it's about way more interesting than him. His opponent tonight <laughs> is the Z-Man, and they say the Z-Man's weakness is he doesn't have a fighting heart. <laughs> <laughs> the compu- you need the computer Your weakness, <laughs> you have a bad heart. <laughs> But I honestly, I didn't know that you could calculate heart or fighting spirit with a computer. Like, what Excel formula is that? No, they just brought in that, they brought in that punk kid from Captain America. He's like, nope, he doesn't have it. <laughs> Can I, hold on just a second. So, so Alexander York says that Terrence will defeat Z-Man in less than fifteen minutes and twenty-eight seconds. Yes, yes. To which I audibly scream. But I hope so, because I, I do not want to see a match between those two go that long. Right. Jesus. Uh, oh, man. And, and did you write down Terry Taylor's prediction for the match? Uh, th- 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 no. What is it? <laughs> oh, yes. Taylor he predicts pain. His pre- it's pain. <laughs> it's Clubber Lang's line from Rocky because... Three. Like, Terry Taylor doesn't know who he is or what's going on. Or like I'm like, dude, you're not that kind of wrestler. He just you're... watched that movie backstage. I he guarantee just... you. What an awesome line! Yeah, just pain. <laughs> or he's the comp- like he's today's internet and computerized man, and he's nothing but movie references. He's just awesome. That... 
It would yeah. be awesome if Terry Taylor was like a Brock Lesnar type of wrestler. But I'm like, dude, you do arm drags and body slams. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> you're not a dominating figure. Right. So I, I can't wait. I, I love, I love this York foundation stuff. It's so ridiculous, but it's just kind of fun to watch. Um, well, the, the, the cameraman betrays the, the gimmick. Oh <laughs> yes. The, if you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, totally. Like put the batteries like, in Terry to, to, Terry to tell Terry to put the, put the batteries in. God. Get the Duracell. <laughs> so Charlie, you're up next, man. You got Brad Armstrong versus Bobby Eaton. Oh, cool. Oh, man. This is like, okay, I'll just, I think after this match, I came to the conclusion that, like, my favorite discovery so far this season has been the these years of Bobby Eaton. Um, and I don't think he ever wrestled for WWE, right? Did he ever go over there? Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember. At least if he did, it was, I don't think it was in, like, the really like big time capacity because i've always heard of guys like doing like you know job work over there you know enhancement right. work like in the 80s oh or i would something hope like he that. wouldn't be doing that i don't he's, i don't he's, he's so much fun to watch i mean because his run with the midnights is for a long time right. so i i'm leaning towards no my first memories of bobby eaton were when he was with regal as the blue bloods yeah. Uh, the, for whatever reason, that's that, that's what I first think of. But anyway, so this is a pretty cool match. And plus with Brad Armstrong, like, wasn't that <laughs> – so I saw him come out. And I hadn't heard his name in so long about a, since about a week ago when we were listening to Jericho's podcast because wasn't that the idea that Bischoff had yeah. that we were listening to? Yeah. That he was going to fight Brad Armstrong. Brad Armstrong actually does really well in this. But um, sorry, got to go back to Dusty Rhodes uh, for just a second. Dusty Rhodes, uh, I've never heard this in a singles match before, but Dusty says that Brad Armstrong's game plan is to cut the ring in half. I don't think it is. <laughs> I don't think that's the plan, uh, Dusty. It's because I even I tried to work it out. I was like, would that work in a singles match? No, there's no point in cutting the ring in half in a freaking singles match. It's just dumb. Uh, Jr. has a has a great line like right after that. Well, Bobby, now he likes to be a very offensive wrestler. Well, who the fuck doesn't? <laughs> All right. Oh, like, defense, defense is where it's at, man. Like, I, I just wanted to, I just want to take the blows and, and just kind of psych them out with with how many I can put up with. <laughs> My entire move set is based on counters. <laughs> yeah. like, so basically. His finishing move is the last ride. He just all I gotta do is just lure you in to doing a ten spot on the turnbuckle, <laughs> and you're ass. You go for a power bomb, bam, face buster. That's my move. <laughs> Billy Kidman. Um, so uh, there's a test of strength spot, which I thought with, with with wrestlers like these, I don't expect to see stuff like that, but that was okay. Uh, this is when we see Jason Hervey in the audience uh, from the Wonder Years, who. They, they bring this up, it feels like, all night. I think he's. they're like, oh, there's tons of people here and former champions and celebrities. Well, whenever they talk about celebrities, they just talk about Jason Hervey. Uh, there's this fantastic-looking backbreaker that Bobby Eaton does not once but twice. And it just looks... Do what? Jesus. <laughs> 
Jason, are you okay? What's going on? Because <laughs> I'm just hearing Charlie break up a lot, like like it's crackling, and then I'm hearing him say "do what," and then I'm thinking you were talking to him. Well, God dang. Happening? Well, now that we got that cleared up. <laughs> Can you, I, I, do I sound all right now? He sounds, yeah, he sounds okay over here. All right. So those backbreaker spots that, that Bobby Eaton pulls off are great. Like, I think any one of those would make an awesome finisher because uh, I've never seen a backbreaker done like that. Um, part, a part of the match that... I noticed this, and I, I, I feel like I have to harp on it. Um, Brad Armstrong is wearing an American flag on his tights, and it's pointed out by Jim Ross. And, you know, it's I guess heels aren't allowed to wear an, like any kind of patriotic symbols on their tights or anything like that, because I never see this on heels. Yeah, you know, of course. It's like, I mean, like, we, we, can't, sp- we can't cheer for them at all. Can't cheer for can't cheer for them like 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 if you're a heel you can't be patriotic. I always thought that was something weird, not just in WCW but in pro wrestling in general. Um, Jr. and Dusty uh, have an entire conversation about sushi. <laughs> <laughs> They're bored. <laughs> They're pretty bored by what, and I'll just say it now: this is the best match on the card, and Jr. and Dusty just feel like talking about food which yeah look at him uh jr manages to say that well there's not much sushi out in oklahoma you know and, and he does have kind of a funny line with you know in, in oklahoma sushi's not considered bait so that that was okay uh but this is where the stupidest uh comment for me of the night comes from and i posted about it on twitter jim ross asks dusty rose <laughs> And, and it took me a second. I, I was just, you know, I almost let it go. What part of the body does the abdominal stretch stress the most? I'm going to go with the abdomen. I love the answer, really though. Dumb. The answer that Dusty gives him is even what better. What is Dusty saying? He says, it hurts anywhere from your neck to your toes. <laughs> So not the head. The head is completely fine, according to us. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, that was really stupid on uh, Jim Ross's. I, it's so weird, too, because he doesn't commentate like this in WWE, at least <laughs> not in my memory. Where just these dumbass questions, you know, well, body slam. Well, what, what do you think that hurts? I'm guessing the body. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, see, Charlie, snakes don't exactly have parts. But if I was to say what part of the snake we's eating, I'd say the elbow. That's exactly <laughs> what the shit reminds. <laughs> it's like just imagine like Kurt Angle putting Sean like in the ankle lock at WrestleMania 21, and well, what do you think is, is hurting right now? You know, and just, <laughs> it's in the name, pal. It's in the name. Um, Bobby Eaton hits what I think might be the most perfect looking top rope leg drop. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, maybe the replay betrayed it a little bit, but I think it, I think what it ended up really doing was showing me how much of a pro he is at it. Cause he curls his leg at just the right moment to where he barely lands on him, but it looks so damn good uh, from the actual side. Um, 
I absolutely loved this match. I really did. Brad Armstrong's got great athleticism. He does this thing where he gets out of the uh, out of the test of strength by just doing a leap onto Bobby Eaton's shoulders and jumping off of him. I, it's it's just a really cool match, really fun to look at. I, I gave this a seven and a half. All right, Jason. Well, hard to follow that one. Um, I think it's cool that Bobby Eaton gets pyro. <laughs> it's just like, you know what I mean? It's Bobby Eaton. Fucking Brad Armstrong's music's really good. And then Bobby Eaton's is a little weird because it's this kind of slow techno music. Not quite 80s John Carpenter, but not quite 90s Prodigy. And for some reason, there are Bobby chants, which is really creepy. Um, like, because it doesn't sound natural. Um, so I, I'm not sure. Uh, the arm drag was the super kick of the 90s because everybody's got an arm drag and they do it constantly. Um, we get a nice big Charlie Stabile empty section shot as the two are fighting outside. Like, it's <laughs> an entire section. Like, if, if you were trying to buy tickets online and it's like, here's section 118. 118 is a ghost town. There is not a fucking soul in it. The entire 118 like, took a piss break. It did. <laughs> Either that or they all forgot that Arizona has its own time zone and they're still an hour ahead or behind, whichever it is. Um, Jim Ross says that Bobby Eaton has the advantage in this big match situation. Now, this is the second match on a pay-per-view. There are no titles on the line. This is not a grudge match. There's no building story. So how exactly is this a big match situation? Um, I was a little confused about that. I feel, Charlie, since you brought up the flag, Brad, you know, we, we, we were all over the patriotic people pandering last time. Brad does get a pass because Road Dog is over yeah, there. Yeah, I was going to say that's the reference yeah. they give is is Road Dog yep. over there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if my brother was over there, I'd be like, you know what? I'm I'm going to do this. I don't know if I'd put the flag right on my ass, but, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe to the left of the penis. I don't know, but not directly above the butthole. Um, the best part is, is since his singles run, this is the most heelish I've seen Bobby Russell since the midnight split up. Man, it's just him. Um so it's really cool because he's really aggressive. It, it's really good counter because he is a good, solid technical wrestler. Um, and then when you talked about earlier, like Armstrong is real athletic. He's just going crazy. And Bobby Eaton is just like shut him down very aggressively. And I really, really liked it. Um, the referee, Randy Anderson, crawls under Brad Armstrong's legs to catch Bobby Eaton holding the ropes during the same abdominal stretch that we we're wondering <laughs> that what part of the body hurt. <laughs> I saw. I was like, I've never seen a ref go to that. <laughs> it's like, no, no, you're breaking they the rules. They don't call him Pee Wee for nothing. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Jim Ross forgets that Bobby Eaton uses the leg drop, and I quote: "We've said this man will bring the offense from the top. This is what Armstrong needs to avoid. Will he move? Can he move on this? On this? Oh wait, here he comes. He got him." Like, he just, I think, had a little bit of a, a pre-issue here, uh, not being able to say the words leg drop, because it's so awkward, because it's over. Like, the before he can get his full statement out, Bobby's already hit that sweet-looking leg drop. Um, during one of the slow-mo replays during the match, Armstrong 
has the second biggest and thickest loogie I've ever seen. Second only to Bret Hart's at Survivor Series in 97. And that oh, motherfucker man. was full of um, <laughs> But this, this freaking match, this was great. Um, like, I don't. I think there was a match that was a little bit better, but I think this is the second best match on the night. Um, I gave this one a, a six and a half. Okay. Uh, there were. I, I am. I'm a big fan when Bobby Eaton likes to talk to the fans, and he says, "You want it, boys?" <laughs> At some point, when he's getting ready for a, a signature move, say, "You want it?" It's great. Um, you know it. <laughs> we we mentioned earlier, like when he's in the he's one of the billion rest holds in this match. He's got Brad Armstrong in a headlock, and he's taunting the that poor black fan in the front rows, just giving him the finger, like he uh uh-uh, uh not a fan, not a fan, Bobby, not a fan. <laughs> um, I I kind of wish it was the same kid we see later, but sadly it was not. Hey, <laughs> that kid is mine. <laughs> Uh, one more thing on the the whole Japanese discussion that we've gotten here. At one point, Bobby, or I'm sorry, uh, Dusty Rhodes says on talking to Japanese reporters, I guess they don't speak English. Good call, Dusty. They don't. <laughs> Most of them probably don't. Um, the uh, I th- uh, yeah, that that's really about it. I do love that pop up backbreaker that Bobby Eaton does. Right? That you mentioned Charlie. That thing is awesome. I'd go for the pen. I really would have too. I wish there were more more of that in the match. I was not a fan of the billion rest holds. I'm just gonna say like they went back to rest holds like they were like these guys were out of gas and I don't believe they were. They these guys are in really good shape. These guys are probably two of the best singles guys that they've got on the lower card, I should say. Or I wouldn't even say the mid card. It is the lower card. Um <laughs> I don't know if I is it fair for Dusty as the Booker to say to rest making predictions that wrestlers are going to win titles um, during the year. <laughs> I predict a title run for Bobby Eaton. Okay, you're the Booker. That's, so. not, what, that's not what we went over in the back. <laughs> I changed my mind, baby, daddy, baby. Jim Ross, he's like, you want to bet me money Bobby Eaton won't get a singles title? I won't take that bet. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I do think, I love, Bobby Eaton is clearly tracking towards the TV title. Like, he seems like the perfect guy that can be on every oh, single show. Yeah. At this part of the show, earlier on, regardless of maybe if it's first match, second match, whatever, he seems like a perfect TV champion. So I do enjoy that he is, is tracking toward that. Um, I give it a five. So now, so this match yeah. is one point higher than the six-man tag match. Yep, that's it. So now we go to the. What s- did you originally give the six-man tag? Since we changed it, um, no, no, no. I had it like a tick higher. You had it at a five. Yeah, I did because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the. Uh, I, again, I did not catch because I was trying to do too many things at once besides watching the match, so I didn't catch the tag, not tag, legal man, not legal man stuff at the end. Uh, but overall, I liked it. Like I said, Junkyard was the only thing that was not great in it to me. I enjoyed the rest of it otherwise. like I thought they were pretty good tags, and I thought the fact that it was they kept the time pretty short on that was what I enjoyed too. I think it was sub-10 on that one, so... It's not to say if I'd go back and watch it today, I'd give it the same rating. So let's not get fucking crazy about it. No, no, I'm just wondering. Because it's going to be a long show. <laughs> yeah, a few episodes ago, 
I remember I enjoyed a, a match during the you know international tag team tournament and was kind of lectured on the fact that I enjoyed it, even though other people didn't. No, you That's can enjoy I it. I can still think it's garbage, just like I may enjoy some and you may think it's garbage. That, yes. that's okay what a magical show we have gentlemen. I, I'm sorry I, I, I just want to look Dave Meltzer gives three ma- he gives one match on this show five stars that's ridiculous okay that's that's ridiculous I'm sorry what match like, was that well, it, it's it's the main event it's the main event he gives it five stars oh god there are two matches well, that get three and a half to three and three quarters well, I think it's a good thing he's not on this show. Right. Well, <laughs> he, he was he's, he's sorely disappointed that he's not spending his Sunday no, yes, here with he us. Be. But this ma- this all right. So real quick, Super Brawl teaser. They there's really not. They just it, it's just the logo with some you know dramatic music, whatever. But that's coming up in May, which is so no. weird because Super Brawl would eventually be parked Ooh. into February. I think. Wait, hold on. Don't 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 gloss over this. This is literally. The only thing they do for Super Bowl all night. Oh yeah, and yep. Jim Jim Ross introduces it every single time. Is and now some some uh, I'll, I'll look at Super Brawl. He'll say something like that, and it's just this banner. Yeah, this ad every and single it's all, time. And it's on wrestling's most famous date too, May nineteenth, which just seems to be the the calling card. All because that stupid Kane movie. And that promotion yeah. run up to it. That anytime I hear May, 19th, I mean the Royal Wedding this year was on May nineteenth. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> May nineteenth. That's the day that dinosaur premiered in theaters in the year two thousand. Oh yeah. God. Why don't you put that in your bank? Put that. Stick that right in there. Cash a check. God dang, dinosaur. That's a good movie. <laughs> Is it? It's not a good movie. <laughs> I'm about to say it's, it's, not, that it's a one terrible that movie. Pixar movie? It's no, not even was, Pixar. Well, that was it's... Disney trying to do Pixar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So I love how they blow the ending in the trailer. Oh yeah. With the with the meteor coming down. They're like, <laughs> oh, they're going all the way to the end. <laughs> you know, and, like you just. I kind of felt that oh, way with the Ice not, Age movies. This is sort of like. Like eventually, the Ice Age movies, like Extinction, was it was eminent, but it never seemed like it really was in the movies until they finally made, I think, an Ice Age movie called Extinction, right? Or did they? Yeah, but I don't even think that was the last one. It's not the last one. That's what's even funnier. It's like <laughs> I we made it. All- There's a kids movie with the subtitle Extinction. <laughs> I, mean, like- I like the idea that you would end Dinosaur, and then the camera would pan up, and then you would get you would splice in Charlton Heston's monologue and then just queue up Armageddon. <laughs> what? Well that's how Armageddon starts. Yeah, that you is know, how it starts. The meteor yeah. hit Earth like sixty five billion or sorry, sixty five million years ago. It happened before. It will happen again. Okay, Bruce so I'm Willis. S- all right, so all right, let me run down. The Ice Age movies are there's Ice Age, then there's Ice Age The Meltdown, Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs, Ice Age Continental Drift. Wait a minute. Ice Dawn of the Dinosaurs? <laughs> yes. Was it a prequel? Yeah, well, it's 2009, I guess. I don't know. And then Ice Age, the most recent one was a couple years ago, Collision Course. <laughs> no, no extinction. Where the hell was Ice Age extinction? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's Resident Evil. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah that's, that's it. <laughs> Boy, Tom. <laughs> I get them confused all the time. That's all right. I mean, 
Mila Jovovich, Dennis Leary, they both have nice hair. Mila Jovovich and Ray Romano. <laughs> hey, hey, come see me. Come see me. I'm a mammoth. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say Ice Age Dixie Dynamite. <laughs> There's a bull rope match between uh, the mammoth and that little shit squirrel, whatever the hell that thing is. All right. <laughs> wow. We went to it. I can't believe we, we went down the rabbit hole of Ice Age movies. But it's my fault. Good. I did it. I yeah, you did, did it. it. You, you, you. <laughs> Sometimes when you got kids, you watch too many kids movies. Yeah. All right. So we come back from the Super Bowl teaser. JR and Dusty talk about Japanese female action. Uh, oh, J- yeah. J- <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> JR openly openly admits that he hopes that he can pronounce their names correctly, which is not a good start. Oh, no, that's when you know you're in trouble. You're like, oh, oh, but Dusty, Dusty is so stupid in this. Thing. Oh, Miss A, that's my girl, Miss A. Yeah, so we have Miss A. Mickey Honda versus uh, Mommy uh, Kitamura. Kitamura. Is it Kitamura? Is that how you pronounce Kitamura. it? Kitamura. I'm Jim Kitamura. Ross over here, folks. How you doing? <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> and then uh, Itsuki Yamazaki, right? Yamazaki? Is that Mitsubishi. it? All right. <laughs> All right. This is actually a good, a really good match. This is. Oh, dude, yeah. this match is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I agree. Uh, Dusty is immediately butchering these names and says that they don't have anyone in Texas named that, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> Why didn't Sushi come up in this match? I know. What happened? Wait a minute. <laughs> it's a, it, they Cause, get off. Because, Charlie, that would be offensive. Oh, Jesus Christ. This match actually has a hot start with all the women brawling, which is awesome. Like, they're immediately... Wasn't expecting that. No. Yeah. The kicks get stiffer and stiffer as the match goes on, to the point where the crowd, which I, I love a crowd in 1991, is like, yeah, we're hearing it too, and we're into it. What were we going to say, Charlie? I was just going to say, it made me think of... Like, if I ever need to laugh, I just think about that, that, that tweet that came out a couple of days ago about that guy. That said, so this guy, he, uh, he, he fucked my wife. And, uh, <laughs> and the real kick of it is I do a podcast with him. What would you do? And it was it was your tweet. Like, that thing is still making me laugh, which is, yeah, so what would you rate the match? Go fuck yourself. And, and, it, and I thought of that during this match because the kicks kept getting harder. And I'm like, what did, she, did she fuck her husband or something? Because well, it just kept getting worse. Yeah. To the point where I was wincing. <laughs> uh, they do this great bit with the double underhook. And I think it's really cool where it's like, uh-oh, she's not going to get it. And then she does a little bit of readjusting and remaneuvering. And it's like, now she gets it. She does, Like, they actually, like, guys don't do a lot of that with these moves. It's just basically like, oh, no, you're not, you're not going to pile. Hey, Austin, he's going to try and pile drive somebody on the outside. Oops. No, nope, gets backdropped instead. <laughs> That never works. It never works. He never gets it. Um, and then, I, I'll be honest, I didn't, this match was pretty fast. I didn't do a tremendous amount of blow-by-blow blow with this, but um, 
Dusty does get pissed though when um, when Kitamura hits a bulldog and he goes, "Hey, that's Dustin's thing." And I was like, yeah. uh, he gets a little mad that she's stealing the finish." But it's not <laughs> it's not the finish. We get a roll up instead and it is um, Kitamura and Yamazaki that end up picking up the win. This is a, this is a really good fun match to watch. It's I never would have picked this out in a million years with with that uh, this being on this show uh, during this time period, by any means. But the comment the commentary, like you said, with Dusty and you can't figure out which one even his girl is is terrible. But overall, I still like the match a lot. I gave it a six. I liked it a lot. Jason, did you like it a lot? Here we go. Oh, man, there's a reason that I sent you guys the direct message that said you're going to love the Japanese Lady Steiner match because <laughs> this that's right. That's these right. girls fucking go nuts. Um, as soon as the match started, I immediately uh, tried to promise myself I was just going to ignore the commentary uh, because I thought it was going to be really bad, uh, and it was. But, like, right when the kickoff, like, I mean, like, we're getting – like top rope arm drags, getting walking tight, walking the top ropes and stiff fucking hits. I mean, right from the get go, like these ladies didn't come over here to be like, Hey, look at us. They came out here to show out. Um, during this match, I wound up having to pause to take a call for work. And the overweight camera guy that's been on every show with us and every clash who has been losing a lot of weight. So good for him. He's standing in the corner of the ring and he's just holding on to the metal behind the turnbuckle pad, leaning all the way back with that heavy-ass camera just to get that shot. Yeah. And it's like between him and the guy that sat on the cage, like these dudes, uh, you know, they deserve some kind of recognition, of, you know, only some kind of warrior award or something. Because, like, this is really, like, that's really fucking hard work, and that's really dangerous. He could have just plopped right right on his neck. Um, and they're getting, you know, we were talking about the bad camera, which I hope this guy doesn't have it. But, as I said, I tried really hard to ignore the commentary, but... Jim Ross says that Japanese lady wrestlers are recruited in elementary school like Russian gymnasts. Oh, that's right. That's <laughs> cool. I was, yeah, I was like, okay, uh, <clears throat> nope. There is a fucking flying back elbow that is stiff as shit because that sound it makes. Like, I immediately just thought, like, JBL, like, clothesline and hell somebody. It, it looked rough. Um, do you think that Scott Steiner got pissed off when... That one, uh, I can't remember which one when she goes and does a double underhook suplex, <laughs> like it's nothing. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> into a screwdriver. Um, a rolling fucking headbutt. That is awesome. That shit is so cool. Um, then Miss A reverses a roll up into her own pin, and she has to, like, what is this? Oh my gosh, she has to still get the referee to start a count. Like the referee's just sitting there staring at us. That's going on too. Uh, we get several minutes into the match before Jim Ross. Now, this is where you should identify people, Charlie. I don't know if you know. If it's wrestlers from another country and, and they've never been on American television before, you should probably go ahead and identify them right at the start. But he decides several minutes into the match to identify each one based upon what they're wearing and what their haircut is. Um, I have never, ever seen anyone take a double suplex and turn it into a hot tag before. <laughs> that shit was awesome. It's like, oh, you're going to suplex me? That's fine. I'll get my friend in. Who turns around and does a Daniel Bryan-style double missile dropkick, adding more to how really cool this is. A sunset, the, the finish being the sunset flip finished off with a flying clothesline. 
and it's it still just has a few seconds more. It's really good because the crowd is really, really, really into this match. Um, like a lot, like you said, this was a really pleasant surprise. This is my seven and a half. Yeah, I the, the only thing I I, I didn't add earlier is like when we had women's wrestling, I think what was it, Bambi, and I forget the yeah. Uh, oh no. They had, it looked like they were just training. It didn't look like they had any connection with the crowd. These women have tremendous connection with the crowd. They really feed into it, and uh, I think that really makes it special, too. Charlie, what do you think of it? Uh, my first note is, this commentary is going to be atrocious. And it honestly, it was it was passable. Uh, like I said, Dusty, so it's Mickey Honda, and which is actually a really cool name, and Miss A. And it's simply because I think that that's the only one that Dusty could remember and pronounce. So he just was all about Miss A. And that that woman was a beast. Uh, JR did this thing right before the match started where he was talking about the differences between Japanese female wrestling and American female wrestling. And I thought what he said was kind of insulting towards American female wrestlers. He goes, uh, now, uh, their uh, Japanese wrestling is a lot more based on power moves. And, and it's very physical. And I'm like, what do, what do the American female wrestlers do? Just slap each other and, and like hit each other with pillows? You know, I, I thought it was a little kind of insulting. But granted, this match was very violent, very intense. And I've seen women, I've seen American women do these kinds of matches, uh, but not, uh, not so much in the mainstream at this time. Like even, I, I don't even think WWF's women's era had really kicked off again. Uh, and I don't think that happens until what ninety three or ninety four, with a um, lunch blaze. I don't think they. I don't. I'm not even sure if they were doing women's matches at the time. But um, this match is so good and so much fun to watch, uh, and it's it's and it's a real testament to these ladies because I find it hard to get invested in any wrestling match anymore where the wrestlers to me are new or I don't know them or I don't know their character. But I was all in on this match. And that's that's how good it was for me. So I gave this a seven. Cool, cool. Oh yeah. Oh, I also want to point this out real quick. Jr. That physical thing. He must. I I wrote it down. He says it four times throughout the match about how physical that uh, that this is going to be. <laughs> that's and it it really starts to grate on you because it's like yeah no shit look at this match. But um, yeah, that's my last note. <clears throat> okay. Cool. So now we go to Tony with Missy Hyatt. Missy is going into the locker room to get an interview. That's the segment. The first woman, the chief, it ends up, they, they kind of clarify because at first it's like, what the hell was the point of this? They're setting up that this is the first woman to go into the back and get an interview with the boys. All right, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> On camera. Yeah, that's right. Well, well, well God dang. Oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so in, in an honest question, how many of you at this point before – Knowing what's going to happen, how many of you went? Please let it be Stan Hansen. And in all serious, <laughs> I yes. didn't because I, guess, I didn't think yeah. WCW was that smart. <laughs> and I, I was genuinely shocked at their, their level of self awareness uh, at, at this time. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I really did. We got uh, so Jason up next. We've got Buddy Landell taking on first time appearing on in the season, Dustin Rhodes. Yes, sir. We get the nature boy, Buddy Landell, against the natural Dustin Rhodes. Natural, natural, natural. Here we go. Um, a lot of people in the crowd really seem to enjoy seeing Dustin get worked over. 
um, which is really cool because it's almost like, I mean, it's it's made aware. It's not like they're hiding it. This is Dusty Sun, and there's a lot of people out there that just don't like nepotism. Um, but I like uh, they talk about how Dusty's really quick to put over some of Dustin's moves, right? He get, Dustin does a, a drop kick. Look at that great drop kick. It was about waist high. That was, you know, and it wasn't supposed to be like a drop kick to the knee like Jericho does, thing like that. It it was there. Um, Buddy Landell gets to the top rope, and you start hearing, Get him, buddy, from the crowd. Buddy turns to the crowd and says, Oh, he's going to get it. But it's just as Dustin comes up and like nails him right in the gut. So it's kind of sad. The Bulldog is an underwhelming finish um, because it it, it seemed it. In the sense, it's really difficult for the guy to take it and still sell it. Like if there's any other way besides just laying face down. Um, so I mean, it doesn't look devastating. Not to mention the fact that one of the Japanese wrestlers just stole all the thunder because those poor pitiful ladies did it to each other, and that still wasn't the finish. Um, but it's just. Eh. But there is something cool. Even I didn't get a lot of notes this match because it was kind of boring. But there is something cool to me about a Ric Flair knockoff fighting the son of Dusty Rhodes in his first <laughs> WWE pay-per-view match. So, or sorry, WWE pay-per-view match. So, I mean, I, mean, I gave it a four. All right, Chuck, where are you at on this? Uh, what, a 10-count elbow? Yeah, he does that. <laughs> like, I started, I wanted to boo him right there. I was like, yeah, so he takes what basically amounts to his father's most famous move, the elbow, the bionic elbow. And I'm just going to do it 10 times in the turnbuckle. I'm like, dude, you're the son of the guy with the greatest elbow in wrestling. And if a 10 count elbow can't get like a 14 count at, at least like in terms of a pinfall, uh, then, it's, then you just buried the move. I just, I thought that was really dumb. Uh, and you can tell Dustin's new, cause I, I love Dustin Rhodes or gold dust, whatever you want to call him, but not like this. Uh, Buddy Landell, I, I really I like him a lot. I like not so much his wrestling style, but just the way he knows how to work a crowd. Yeah, it's a lot of fun watching him do that. Uh, the bulldog finish is—I mean, I always remember that being Rhodes's finisher, and so it doesn't really uh, bother me. I think, yeah. So when, I, I remember when I used to watch WCW as a kid. I mean, Sting, of course, was my favorite, but I remember I always liked Dustin Rhodes, and I think it was just because I was supposed to. And I would always pop for that bulldog, and I still do, I guess. And so I, I don't really have a problem with the finish. Um, the match is kind of it's, it starts off fast paced because Dustin's in charge, but the second Buddy Landell takes over, and this is where I think he he kind of comes up uh, a little flat. Once Buddy Landell takes over, the match slows to a crawl. You know, like you can have these types of old school type matches where the heel is in control for about 85% of them, but they can still be exciting. And I don't think Buddy has enough to work with uh, to, to, to carry a match for six or seven minutes or so with with being the dominant force, because I feel like it's just rest spots and and basically cheap heat with the crowd. So it's, it's a little underwhelming. I gave this match a five. I also have it at a five. I think Dustin goes, he, he is out. He is gassed. Uh, fairly quickly and that's why like because i thought the same thing i was like man buddy really slowing this thing down i was like i wonder if he's having to slow this down because dustin may not be in the best of shape yet i didn't think of that and because he leads him through this match beautifully like he really guides him through this like as far as like 
a debut match goes, like there we've we've seen plenty of guys who've had really you know subpar openings, like opening matches, like on a or first time pay per view matches. This is pretty good. It's all right. You know, it's not the worst. I don't think they're. I don't think Dustin looks terribly green in this. But you know, at the same time, like yeah, doing that ten count with the elbow is like, dude, what are you doing? What's going on with that? I mean, Jim Ross and Jim Ross in the 21st century would not approve of this at all. <laughs> There's explosion of the business. They're stupid. Theoretically, it should kill him. Right. <laughs> it really should. But, uh, yeah, you, I don't. They always tell you to punch with your elbows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm the same. Right at about a five. It's not too bad. Not too bad. But it does show where, like, Dustin Rose will be. It's amazing the journey this guy's about to go on as a wrestler. It's incredible. Um, now, is he the only still active wrestler on this from this show? Because I was wondering that. That's a good question. Um, Although I'm going to say no because I'm pretty sure the Rock and Roll Express still work. Yes, they do. At the on the Indies, yes, yeah. they do. Yep. So, uh, Tony then briefly sets up Missy Hyatt just outside the um, the uh, the dressing room door. Uh, who is going to be the babe that she finds? It's none other. Than the sexy boy himself, Stan Hansen. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and he's ready. Yes. He, he is. He is always camera ready. <laughs> and and I'll, I'll give Missy this. She is a great sport. I oh, like yeah. like like doing this and, and him yelling at her. And, he says some pretty bad things. Uh, yes, well, he calls her a heifer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Calls her a, get out of here, you broad. Like, I mean, it's it's it does not fit well into the Me Too era that we're in now. This would not go over well. This is definitely, this is definitely one of the many well, things. That there's someone work. else in the locker room with Hanson. Who is that? Um, I've got him a couple of the screenshots. Like there was a guy right go... next to him. I yeah, say, I, I didn't see it because once I saw Stan Hanson, I just glazed oh, I over with joy. <laughs> and I don't mean I, I only regret that Hanson wasn't in there. With his cowboy hat and his vest, but still just wearing a towel. I wish that was the best. With the, but still had jaw coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Like, yeah. like he goes into the shower with jaw. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. No, I just, it's so great. And I think it's a, I think they kind of heard it a little when they come back and there's Tony Schiavone who's basically reacting like we are. And it's like, okay, that's a little too aware. You know, just, <laughs> but, um, doesn't ruin we the moment as it is. Python and WC <laughs> find it very hard to believe that that's Missy Hyatt's first time in the in the men's locker room, though. Uh, Getting in it. There we go. <laughs> there we go. There it is. She, you know, she's she was one of the reasons that Buff became a wrestler. Oh. you do uh, tell. Do yeah, tell. man. Did he tell yeah, this to I'm you in the concession up. line? <laughs> He sure did. I, I, don't, I know who you used to be. He's like, well, man, I get it. You know, it's tight, right? Now, when he was on Austin's podcast, and I was spite listening to it years ago, um, and he was like, yeah, I just lived in the same apartment complex uh, and with Missy Hyatt, and I'd go to the pool, and she'd come, and she'd go, you know, you got a great body. You should be a wrestler. Like, it just, it's like, I'm sure that's all that conversation was. <laughs> it's like, now get, now get over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job. So the so buff was me too by Missy Hyatt. Oh god. To... Let's go back to your place and uh, watch Ice Age. 
<laughs> I got Ice Age Extinction. Oh, <laughs> I haven't seen that one. No one has. <laughs> it's a little scary, so don't feel free to get under the blanket. But hang on, I got to go ask my mom, Judy Bagwell. You know, I never go anywhere without her. I keep her on a pole in my house. Judy but, likes to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> also, Judy Bagwell, also still an active wrestler. I don't know. <laughs> So, Charlie, up next we have the Royal Family, Jack Victory and Rip Morgan, taking on. <laughs> Why do you bunch that so hard? This is an awesome name. Rip Morgan. Yeah. They're taking on the, well, we've seen these guys before, just under a new name, the Young Pistols. What the hell? Like, <laughs> you know, I Young Guns, has, young I guns had come out by now, right? Oh, yeah. Young Guns 2 had come out by now. Oh, yeah, like, like we'd, we'd gotten both of them. So, because I started writing, oh, the Southern, the, the Young Pistols, you know, and because and I'm like, I, I almost wrote the Smoking Guns. Just, yeah, why not? Um, so, okay, the Royal Family. All right, who is this again? Like, this it's a uh, Jack Jacko Victory. Victory. And who's the other guy? Rip Morgan. <laughs> Walked into that. Okay, so the Royal Family. I'm like. Well, where do they get this name from? So the match starts, and the royal family <laughs> do a double clothesline, and then they grunt like a couple of Neanderthals. And I'm like, how does that go with royal family? You know, like they do this double clothesline and go, like, that ain't royalty, bub. You know? <laughs> uh, and then uh, the most WCW thing of the night happens uh, the lights go out. Uh, yeah, lights a... <laughs> legitimately go out. Ocean's Eleven's and... taking place at the uh, at the. Event. <laughs> We're gonna rob the uh, WCW safe. <laughs> well, how much is I in? I felt bad. Oh, about, I left about about fourteen fifty. <laughs> anyway, so the lights go out, and I'll give him this because I think it's Jack Victory that's in the ring. Uh, he goes for a collar and double tie up right when the lights go out. <laughs> Just like, you know, like hit him in the nuts a couple times. There you go. And uh, the lights slowly start to come back on. And there was one point where I was like, that lighting looks better than the lighting they had. Because uh, I think, it, I, think it, I simply thought that because it masked the capacity crowd uh, a lot better than the, the, the regular lights that they did have. Yeah. So the match goes on and it goes on. And I actually wrote this down because I just I just thought it was interesting. I legitimately zoned out, <laughs> and I started thinking. Of, I started thinking for a while about Hulk Hogan versus Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam 2005. I don't know why. I just started thinking about that match, and and whether or not Hogan was even aware of what Shawn was doing to him in that match, because <laughs> it just Hogan plays it off like it's nothing. I'm just like I don't know how that's possible, but then I snapped out of it. And it's right into a bear hug. And I'm like, oh, man, like that's when I should have zoned out. Uh, there is a spine buster. By this point, uh, the match for me completely wore out. It's welcome. Uh, and then j just as I was about to completely throw in the towel on this, Tracy Smothers brain bustered himself. <laughs> <laughs> he was up in a suplex position. And who's his partner? It's it's. I can't. I can't. It's keep Armstrong. Scott Armstrong. It's okay. Okay. So not, Scott Armstrong. 
So Tracy Smothers is up in a vertical suplex, or, and Scott Armstrong. Scott? I forget. Shit. Yeah, it's Scott. Okay. It doesn't matter. It's Steve Armstrong. He, it's not the referee. Okay, Steve. Damn it. Oh, excuse me. No, no, I'm yelling <laughs> at myself because I didn't. I was yelling at myself because like I don't want to get. I don't want to get somebody to message me again and start yelling at me. I don't like when people message me. <laughs> no, 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 that's not true. It's just, but so Smothers is taken up in a vertical suplex, and Armstrong drop kicks whoever it is that's holding him up, and then like legitimately, they both fall, and it looks like Tracy Smothers landed on his head and brain busted himself. But I don't even know who won this match. I, I this was, <laughs> who won this? Young Pistols. Young Pistols. Oh, did they? Yes, they did. Oh. All right. And that's the spot uh, because then somehow some others gets he gets brain busted, but in the process he's able to cover Morgan for the win. It's incredible uh, his his recovery rate. So I gave I for, I guess like for whatever reason I gave this a four. Wow, I'm shocked. I really yeah. was expecting like Charlie's going to give this the deuce. I think I was really entertaining myself with the Hogan Sean storyline. I'm glad I am not the only one who spaced out during this match. This match was I really on. T- did. I checked. I just checked it. It, went, it goes for 12 minutes, which oh, is re- like compared to the other matches. For real? Yeah. <laughs> Put them in the York Foundation. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a... <laughs> like every single match is, is going to be below 13 minutes. Like my God, these are long matches. <laughs> we have Jackson Victory and Richard Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson victory. Jacques. <laughs> Alright, so Jason, what do you think of this man? Um well on the on the way out to Gorilla when Dustin was coming back from his match, do you think he looked at those gold jackets and went, That looks good. That looks real good. <laughs> um Then uh, I, we got a match of guys with guns on their jackets and their uh trunks versus guys with swords on their pants. <laughs> So this is, of course, a, a fight of natural enemies. Um, the lights going out in the arena, it, it's like, oh. But I like you said, Jack Victory was real quick to get back into it because whichever one of the young pistols, those interchangeable two guys, um, stands there. You see his silhouette kind of like shrug, like, what do we do? Um, which is really neat. Uh, it's at this point when I noticed really how much room isn't between the two rings because Jack Victory has to enter the ring to then exit the ring on the other side. And at first I was like, Jesus, Jack Victory, you're so big. And then I note, like, noticed there's like less than six inches of space between those two, uh, the two poles. Uh, so it's not good. Um, I spaced out way early in this match, Charlie, because I was looking up the intro to Quantum Leap so that I could write a joke. <laughs> the macho who, le- who did Sam leap into? Oh, well, because have you seen, there was a video uh, of a kid... <laughs> Saving his fat friend from getting eaten by an alligator by doing jumping off of the rocks and doing an elbow drop on the alligator. And it's like, <laughs> did he put uh, his fingers in the air? No, it, this is what happened. When I was watching, I'm like, going, Oh, it's the video. You see all these people go, Go, go. And I just see this kid on the side of uh, throwing rocks. I was like, Why, why are people cheering him throwing rocks at this fat kid trying to swim? And then you see the alligator's head, and I'm like, Holy shit. And what's cool is the kid's throwing rocks, he's throwing rocks, and there's like a second where the kid stops what he's doing. Like it was straight up Macho Man just leaping into this kid, Sam Beckett style, to write what went wrong and jump off this freaking embankment and elbow drop the goddamn alligator. It is awesome. 
so I just was like too busy looking up so I could type up this really bad joke, and then I look up and the match is over. <laughs> wow! Because I was like, you zoned I'm, out to something much more interesting. Than I don't that. think that alligator's real. That's the thing that bothers me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just the video. Have you seen is, the video? Yeah. Oh man, yeah. that's the first I've heard of it. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just I was like, oh crap! But uh, you know, it was great. So in a way, I want to give this match a ten because I got to spend time with Quan Lee. But really, that wouldn't be fair. Uh, I gave this match the deuce. The deuce. Oh man, I don't really have much too I much. Feel like it. an asshole. I don't have really too much to add. Although I, this was close to be, uh, best of luck spot of the night with. Poor Tracy Smothers, like, all right, well, no, no, be careful. <laughs> well, it was. Be, ca- the be other careful. <laughs> I've never heard a wrestler say be careful. That's awesome. Be careful, we're all going to die. <laughs> um, uh, careful. I, I, <laughs> I'm I pretty see, sure. like a wrestler sitting on Road Warrior Animal's shoulders. Like saying that to Hawk right, right before. Be careful. I'm pretty sure Stallone says it to Estelle Getty when she's out of control driving and stop her. My mom will shoot, and she drives the car into the trash truck. He says, "Be careful." Stop her. My mom will shoot. Oh um, no! I gave this match a three. It's it's pretty bad. It's way too long. I'm not sure if I enjoy the Young Pistols, even though like the <laughs> I understand. I can kind of understand why they. They're like, you know what? We're going to be going to places like Phoenix. Maybe, Maybe we need... that's what it was. <laughs> Maybe we need to change this up a little bit. And Just... what is this young stuff? Yeah, Like, they look like mid-30s, early 40s at this point. <laughs> 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 Did Tracy Brothers just stop aging in the face and just, like, whittling out <laughs> the old pistols? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just doesn't sound right. But I love but... it, too. It's like, yeah. meet the new team, same as the old team. <laughs> no. So here we go. We go to Tony, who's with Diamond Dallas Page, who's hyping Bye. the Fabulous Freebirds versus Doom. He's now in the corner of the Fabulous Freebirds. He he then says Teddy Long has a peanut head. Teddy storms the stage and says, "Homie, don't, don't like play that. that." But DDP gets the he gets the award for the most di- dismissive promo ever because after oh, Teddy yeah. Long is all in his face. <laughs> And I love Teddy Long's body language. When he points, he makes an effort to lean in and point his finger at the guy. I love it. And he does the homie don't play that. And DDP just goes, see ya, homie. And just goes right back into his gym. Like, it's so cool. Because I think this is the this might be the, the first time we've seen DDP since, what, WrestleMania X8? I want to say. Oh, on our My podcast, God. yeah, yeah. On on our show, yeah. yeah. And I was, I didn't know he'd come in this early. I was so excited, and what and I was even more excited because of this promo. It's he always could do a promo. It's crazy like how way, he changes. He's going to change dramatically how he does his promos. He will become one of the biggest faces of all time. Yeah, <laughs> like in this company. Somebody comes up to him after you know you really need to start punching those consonants a little bit. You know just. <laughs> Just oh, punching yeah. him a little bit harder. Maybe lay off the good God. Well, what do I <laughs> yeah, really Jesus. But, but that comes that comes later uh, yeah. when yeah. they're in the ring. Yeah. Oh, I, I hated that. <laughs> All right. And also, little little thing here is seeds for later. Teddy also uh, talks about the rumors of Doom breaking up being nothing to worry about, shrugging him off. We'll see. Because as soon as you hear that, you know something's happening. <laughs> Man, anytime there's something like the. Uh, the nation of domination basically this happened to ron simmons twice where like he's got a group or like 
this is one of the old wrestling cliches that is so dumb because it's because so, it's overdone where you got these two guys or a stable where they're fine and then they're not and then they make up and it's like well i guess it's smooth sailing from here on out oh no it's not even gonna last one more television episode you know I, it's just it's oh it's like the rockers did this this is how they broke up oh everything's fine and oh the Gennady dove through the window what a coward you know <laughs> I, I hate these kind of turns. I, they're lazy. And Ron Simmons had it happen to him twice. <laughs> so here we go next. Uh, we're, we're coming back to our York Foundation here because we have Terry, not yet Terrence Taylor, the computerized man of the 90s, taking on the Z-Man. Uh, the Z-Man gets his entrance and reminds us of what promotion we're watching. Thank, thank God. Thank, th- th- thank you. Uh, thanks, Tom. <laughs> Um, one middle-aged man in an Iraqi shirt and Zumba's does not appreciate the Z-Man. He is not a fan. Um, on, it's, it's, it's right after Z-Man makes his entrance. I don't know why I, I stopped and went back to it. Just cause I was like, is he wearing a patriotic shirt and he's not a fan of the Z-Man? What's up, man? What's going on? So <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> I, they give us some backstory with this, and it's a pretty good TV rivalry because you hear that each of the guys that they, they had fought to a time limit draw, and then each guy got a win via disqualification. So it's like, all right, they've been letting these guys work in a couple of different series of matches. It's pretty cool. Uh, Dusty says uh, York has a lot of info on her computer because he had a look earlier. And it's like, what? Giacomo's like, yeah, I bet he did. Yeah. <laughs> I hated that. I know. Um, <laughs> Dusty is told by Jim Ross that staunch means stern. Not exactly, Jim. It's not. That's not what staunch means when you want to say that somebody is uh, is a staunch whatever. It's really funny how he tries. Like Dusty makes the mistake of trying to ask him because Jim Ross drops it, and I think hoped that they would move on. Dusty, no, no, no. Let's get in on that. And Jim Ross has to kind of move around and find out a definition of staunch. It's great. Uh, match has decent heat to start, but also takes a little bit to get going. They cut to Nikita Koloff in a do-rag on the outside, also wearing a suit. Doesn't look too happy. We'll see later. Because <laughs> he's talking to Jason Hervey. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if I sang out of tune? <laughs> <Would you? laughs> Man, I was expecting Savage. Uh, oh, by the way, this is a no disqualification match, and I thought of you, Chuck, because the ref is getting a little too involved for a no DQ match. I will, uh, I will make a point about that. <laughs> I will make a point uh, <laughs> because I began to notice a pattern starting with this match, and it's it's very it's the second most WCW thing I noticed for the night. But yes. This is a no DQ match. The finish comes. Z-Man hits a crossbody, but the ref is distracted by York standing on the apron. Z-Man checks on. He's like, what's going on here? And he gets rolled up by Terry Taylor. Ross says he grabs the tights, but Taylor doesn't actually do it until like two and a half. Like he kind of waits. He's like, oh, wait, I need to do this. It's like he heard Jim Ross at ringside. He's like, oh, shit, I'm a heel. I need to do something. Pulls the tights for the for the win. Um, Man. They, they they try to they try to play this off. They try to blame the rookie ref here. That it's not that just he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand no DQ rules, and it hurts this match. It's pretty slow. Um, again, this I'm really I, I I really want the Z Man to succeed, 
but he's just not on a lot of these shows. This is a three for me. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, Tom. Fuck you. Fuck you. Why are you apologizing? Jason, what do you think of it, man? Oh, Terry Taylor has traded in his sparkled robe for a sparkled jacket. So it's like that's his big change. He's going to just cut his robe in half and wear it in a ponytail. He's he's corporate now. You know, he's got no chance. Um, the thing I don't like is Terry Taylor is playing the cowardly heel way too much for this to be a no disqualification match. You know, it's a, a no DQ match should be where the, the heel is able to not run unless the unless the babyface gets that upper hand like the chair or something this is where the, the heel should be able to shine uh, he could do whatever he wants did miss york's computer forget to tell him that um did, did dusty Rhodes accidentally delete it when he was checking out her data earlier um then uh jim ross goes and decides that we need to learn the not just the definition of staunch but we need to know where cauliflower ears come from I thought that was fucking weird to for him to just kind of go into that. Um, during this match, because they spend a lot of time in rest holds and, and stuff for it to be a no-DQ match, I noticed how wrinkly the mats were um, as far as they just real, real off. And I was like, why? This looks so bad. And I figured, oh, well, it's probably hard to straighten out the cover of a mat when there's two rings so close together because you can't get on each side. Kind of like making your bed when it's against the wall. As you could tell, I wasn't very interested in this match until Terry Taylor finally goes heel and starts choking Tom Zink with the camera cords at ringside. Like, that escalated quickly. It went from not being a no-DQ match to pretty fucking brutal. Um, there's a camera guy who is all over Miss York. As you guys mentioned earlier, he's killing her gimmick um, because there's absolutely nothing on that screen whatsoever. And it just don't. I, I'm still trying to figure out if Michael Wall Street inherited all of his money from a relative who died, did he die himself and leave his money to Miss York? Is that how she's able to fund this whole this whole thing? It's that not very clear. Just, yeah, it's not very no. clear. It's like you went from, from this. And in all honesty, though, every pay-per-view we've seen Miss York, whether it was Wall Street or now with Terrence Taylor, she's undefeated so far on this match. She's like she's about up there with Sting. She's like the only one to not lose. Um so, well, no, Sting lost because he and Luger lost via DQ. That's right. So, but this is a boring ass no DQ match. So, three. Charlie, what'd you think of this, man? Let's get into this no DQ stuff. This match was so boring, I didn't even rate it. <laughs> I'm having to go off memory because I'm looking for my score and I'm like, there's no score. It, so, reminds, it reminds me of Animal House when the when the warden's going through each of the each of the members of Delta House and he comes up to to Bruce McGill and he's like Daniel Simpson Day has no grade point average all courses incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this no DQ thing. Uh, so we find out that, how did we find out that this match is no DQ? I th- they say it yeah I in think the buildup yeah they they do say it in the buildup okay all right um. Then I'll then maybe I'll save the no DQ thing for the for for a later match uh, because ah. it it just wasn't that clear to me. Um, yep, Dusty had that comment about looking at the computer, uh, which was whatever. But right after that, there right before uh, a collar and elbow tie up between Terry Taylor and Z Man, because <laughs> I rewound it because I, I enjoyed it so much. Uh, there is a fan in the audience that is able to be heard on the hard cam, and he just screams out. Kick his ass! 
and, and I don't know who he's, I don't know who he wants, but like, it was really funny. Um, there is no reference to the Z-Man being the sexiest wrestler in WCW oh, anymore. No. Oh no! I know. I, I thought that was strange. It's like he, he just lost that that title. Uh, it makes me wonder why they even did it in the first place. If this isn't going to stick, um, Jr. gets a little strange. Like he's he's calling the match pretty well between Terry Taylor and Z-Man, and then all of a sudden he starts informing me of their uh, of their education, and 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 he goes, "Yep, yep, they went to this, they went to that," and then all of a sudden he goes, "Now education is very important, kids. Very important." Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> Thank you. Terry Taylor goes outside, checks the computer. There's nothing on it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, cameraman. Uh, and, and, and the thing that's weird is that Alexandra York doesn't even really... She, she realizes that the camera's on her and right behind her. She doesn't even really seem to care. She just kind of looks at the camera, then puts the computer down and just starts frantically typing. <laughs> <laughs> she starts spelling out the words "turn on computer," please. <laughs> I forgot to put it in. I'm gonna need a Duracell here. <laughs> um, Z-Man, I, you know, I love Tom Zink, I really do. But he has these quirks. Uh, not not the ring entrance quirk, which I think is awesome. I love that. I love that with him. But he does. I've noticed it before, and I haven't written it down. But I noticed it this time because I thought he was doing it a little bit too much. I get a little uncomfortable watching his matches because whether he's like, let's say for instance, he's in a sleeper or, or either he's in a sleeper or he's doing a sleeper. He'll find the camera and he'll look at it for way too long. And, and by that, I mean, he's looking at me like he'll have <laughs> the sleeper on and then he'll just kind of, I'll make eye contact with the Z man and he'll hold it for just a little bit too long. And it's it's weird. He's not making a facial expression or nothing. It's just like, yeah, you see that? Yeah. <laughs> and he did this a couple of times in this match where there's the camera and I'll just look at it longingly. And I just, I don't know why he does that. It's it's very strange. Z-Man does a really cool super kick uh, that, that, that looks pretty good. Uh, there's a thing going on here with these characters, uh, Terry Taylor and Alexander York, that I'm trying to figure out. So Wall Street's gone. He's out. And Terry Taylor's in. And it's one of those things that, you know, and they used to do this a lot back back then when a wrestler would leave. They just plug in a different guy, and they act like the other guy was never there. And it's not even like this Terry Taylor, Terrence Taylor thing is a new character. It's like they literally plugged him in and picked up where Michael Wall Street left off. This doesn't feel like a new thing with York and Taylor, like at least their unity. It feels like like if this was the first time I'd, I'd watched this year or this season of WCW was this show, I would think that this had been going on for a few months and a few pay-per-views. And I just find that a little strange. It, it, it just already felt like old hat at that point. Even, the one thing that she mentions that makes it feel somewhat new is that uh, they're always looking for new members. You know, like, oh, Royal family could use some help. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe the renegade warriors uh, who are conspicuously absent uh, from this show. Um, ba -ba -ba, I oh, so Marcus Youngblood and Christopher be great. Because when you become awesome. part of the York Foundation, you get, oh. a, you get a formal name. That would have been I was so a little, cool. Right. I, I was a little upset with 
this part of the match. Uh, so, I, as I mentioned earlier during the promo, Alexander York had said that the match would be no longer than 15 minutes and 28 seconds with Terry Taylor winning. 15 minutes and 28 seconds is never brought up in this match, ever. No, yeah. Not even once. And I thought, I, why, why not bring it up? It's literally the most interesting thing about this character or about these characters. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I also wanted to point out, was Terry married to Dustin at this point? I don't know. That's one thing I was wondering, too. Because, yeah, like, Dusty's got a lot of family out there. <laughs> you know, just, and, uh, and they're all booked to win, <laughs> which I, I thought was kind of interesting. But um, the match, man, it's like Tom Zink is he's so good. And, and, and I'm, I feel like he has not yet had a good match uh, with us. I gave this. I would not have to rate it now. I would give this a three. Um, again, like the thing I think, go ahead, go ahead, Jake. Do you think, sorry, but do you think that like what they did with the Michael Wall Street match where they had the the countdown clock, do you think that would have added to the match? Yes. That would be what I was going to say. That's exactly what I I was going to say. It should always be with this, with, uh, with these, uh, York foundation matches because yeah, like that's how you're going to get the best heat because he's going to beat him with like three seconds to go. And the fans are going to think, oh, you know, they're finally going to lose. No, no, they're going to keep winning. And I do love that the computer never reads back, man, Terry Taylor is going to get murdered. You know? <laughs> like, it never comes back. Like, and Because they're, they're always fighting like these wrestlers that are on the same level. But just once, like, I'd like for it to come back that, oh, man, I don't know how we're going to beat Vader. You know? <clears throat> what The best way to book these guys is that they come in really overconfident and that they always have to do something cheap and underhanded to right. get, get it at the deadline. Because, That's what because how them... could you put that in the computer? Right. That you have to cheat. You, right. know, that you have to go hold the tights. And right. You made a great point, Will. It's like, I think Terry Taylor, I'm sorry, I've never liked him. I think he sucks. <laughs> uh, when he, he He's awful. He doesn't, he, I think he forgets if he's face or heel. He holds those tights way too late. Like, oh yeah, I'm a heel. And just like, dude, you are so lame. <laughs> you just don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Clarify this point. So at this point, Alexandra York, Terry Reynolds, is dating Brian Pillman. Oh. 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 <laughs> it is not until 93 is when she marries Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Reynolds, whatever you want to call him. Oh, my. So, uh, yeah. Seems like someone told Sid to put a kibosh on that young man. So <laughs> <laughs> If you think about it, 91 to 93 and being married, that's not a long time. Dustin yeah. was already, hey, how are you doing? Hey, uh, wow. Sid, I, I don't have a lot of money. I have fifteen twenty-eight no, in my no, pocket. No, no, it would be Dusty. Like, Sid, my boy, has a big crush on her. I'm going to need you to take out Billman. Like, if it was <laughs> Dusty baby. that hired Sid. Yeah, <laughs> we'll write you off for Southball season. <laughs> like that would be so much more interesting. Power bomb. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but Dusty, the cage is barely over my head. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I designed it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of speaking of Dusty, we go to Jr. Oh, no. and Dusty talking about Eligante. And I wrote here, and I don't understand this note, and I'm wondering if the autocorrect got me. I said, Dusty doesn't believe in silent letters. Oh, that's right, because he can't, that's what it is. He says El Gigante. Gigante? Yeah, he says he keeps saying El Gigante. (laughs) I don't speak Spanish, baby. (laughs) 
So then, here, here's a segment. Paul Lee comes oh out God. wearing a matador outfit. My name is Paul Lee Dangerously, which I popped at, that he was starting that early on, that he would set up his promos that way. He says, my name is Paul Lee Dangerously, and this is the Danger Zone. And then he proceeds to go all MAGA on the Latino fans. I wrote that too. <laughs> yeah, all I, my MAGA. only note for this segment is Paul Lee Dangerously, agent of ICE. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Premiering on ABC in the fall, Agents of Ice. Yeah. Sorry, Agent Colson. Aren't you dead? I wish I was. <laughs> <laughs> you done it now. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <sighs> So, uh, yeah, he accuses everybody who's Latino fan of they're all illegals. He then introduces El Gigante, who Paulie calls the illegal alien. <laughs> That's kind of mean because El Gigante is a weird looking dude. <laughs> I mean, so he just kind of lumbers to the ring. And, I mean, it's just, I like the idea of the illegal alien as a character. Yeah. Now that I, I think of it, like the finishing move would be the deportation. <laughs> <laughs> It would be a flatliner. No, I, I was going to say, like, we're a Steiner screwdriver from the top rope. Just... Steiner screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> his, his, finishing, his finishing move would be the detained child. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, scorpion, a reverse scorpion deathlock so he can look him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> Paul continues the, the, the MAGA attack on, on Eligante when he accuses him of trying to steal Ric Flair's belt by being the ref for Sting versus Flair in a cage match. Um, Eligante says he doesn't speak English. <laughs> but why'd you come out here, dumb idiot? <laughs> like, like, that cracked me up. I was like, dude, what'd you think was going to happen? You're going to come out here and speak Spanish to another guy that spoke Spanish? <laughs> Paul then no. throws his sombrero at him. Paul is body slammed. Eligante puts on the sombrero. The end. Man, I'll I'll I'll, I'll give him this. Paulie took a body slam, <laughs> and that was the one thing that I that I thought worked. You know, because you don't see Paul take too many bumps. No, no. Wow. But other than that, what a segment. Uh, well, hold on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What is this? I have one note from. Oh, sorry, sorry. It's the next thing. Sorry, I didn't. I need to cite better. There we go. <laughs> and yep. so then we go next to Tony Schiavone with Hiro Matsuda and the great Muda. Muda looks like he spaced out and was thinking about the SummerSlam 06 match, too, because he just closes his eyes. <laughs> I was thinking he would, Muda's about to play, pull a Jeff Hardy. He's going to have his eyes painted above his eyes. Nope. He's just got him shut. It's awesome. Right. Like, it, And I like how the camera's like, well, let's check this out a little bit more. <laughs> Wait a minute. We punch in on that. What's going on? Um, and then he does so the green Muda, mist. Yeah, yep. the mist. Yeah. He does that. But, okay, this was the note I had. Uh, Tony Schiavone, I guess it was in the context of the green mist and what they were talking about with Muda, but he goes, it is going to be tremendous. <laughs> and and I, I, I don't know why I wrote that down, but it must have just been weird <laughs> like, for him to, to just come out with that. So Shivani and Matsuda, both of them just step back because Muda starts convulsing like a cat who's about to hack up a hairball and starts grabbing his throat to like cue up the mist and they just step back and it's like it's really awkward. 
like that. Yeah, yeah so uh, I, it's funny because, yeah, they, they, they have this, and I don't know if it's, it's not a pay-per-view, I don't think. It's just a show that they do in Japan. But I'll tell you, they've been plugging this thing for the last couple of shows. I think it clashed. I want to watch it. What's that? I'd love to see. I want to watch. I'd love to see Sting versus Muda in Japan. Yeah, and I because I'm pretty sure awesome. Flair drops the belt for like you know one of those. He drops it, but they don't acknowledge that he drops it. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, but um, we'll see. So up next, here's a here. All right, here's one where you can just kind of put your legs up and kick back and enjoy a couple of. <laughs> Oh, I cut, I'm big, another cold one here. Yeah, you're, oh yeah. It's Stan Hansen and Big Van Vader. Yeah. So uh I believe this is this is Jason. Jason, you get to we get Hansen and we finally get Vader back on the show. They were lying to us and they said he was gonna come out the ones clash. He didn't. So here he is. And with the mask. Yeah. Uh and it's great. I had to stop like when I, I watched this over a couple of days and I had gotten to this match and I stopped. And then like the next day is when, when he passed away. So I was like, I'm going to give it like a week. So I don't go back and watch this match with, with like sad nostalgia eyes. So I want to be able to just watch it as it is. Um, so, you know, Vader's Vader's impressive with his entrance because he's just all menacing and monstrous, but Stan Hansen comes out at a fucking 11. He's got like two whole packs of chaw in his mouth he is screaming and slinging that rope. The crowd is hot. It's like the crowd's like, we are ready for this. Um, we want to see these two dudes just kick ass. Vader comes out and does his little ceremony, uh, as Dusty and Jim Ross like to say. But his right shoulder just doesn't quite have the spray that the left has. It's a little limp. I thought he was going to do it again. But uh, nope. And right off the bat, these two motherfuckers go at it. Stan Hansen looks like he's going to do a top rope suicida and then changes his mind right before he jumps and goes, ah, I'll just do a bear hug over the ropes. <laughs> and Vader just catches him and holds him and those it pulls Hansen over. These two are slugging it out. Hansen goes to clothesline Vader over the top. Vader doesn't go. He bends back, can't get enough lift, comes back over. Stan Hansen just shoves him over. Get over there. Um, this is just... This is great. They get into the corner. They are knocking the shit out of each other. At some point, Vader gives Stan Hansen the ease up Ken Shamrock blow to the head because uh, it is nasty. That's that move. He hits it, and you hear it, and you hear everybody just go, oh, Stan Hansen's laying there. And Hansen's chaw is all over the fucking ring. It looks like he, as, as it falls out of his mouth, because it's still in there. I mean, like, I get when he's fighting you know, he's fighting Tom Zink or Ricky Morton or whoever keep his tobacco in there, but you're fighting Vader and you're going to keep that in there. You're going to choke. Um, cause it's going to hurt, but the pieces are falling out and it just seems like Hanson is just shitting himself everywhere he goes in the ring. It's, it's kind of gross, but works. Um, this is one of the most exciting potato fest I think I've ever seen. Um, cause I don't, I don't like super, super like overly violent deathmatch stuff. But I do like seeing guys that they're in there, so they're going to commit to the bit and work on it. Um, then we get outside, <laughs> and things change uh, because Hanson just picks up a full milk crate of all of Jim Ross's water bottles and smacks Vader right in the head with it. So Vader says, fuck you, I'm picking up this plastic chair that has no give, and I'm going to hit you in the head with it. Um, 
So they fight behind him. Jim Ross and Dusty are going nuts. And I'm going to go into a little bit about Jim Ross going nuts here in a second. But Hanson picks up a plastic, I don't know if it's the same chair or another chair from the timekeeper at the that end of the ring and picks it up and starts slinging this thing inches away as the fans in the front row get the full immersive experience as the legs of this chair are like scraping across their noses. Um, it's pretty scary. I'm glad those, that kid won a contest to be there for that. Um, so while they're out here going crazy, Jim Ross is like, I'm not paid enough for this. And last night was a G1 special. Uh, in California, and apparently whoever set up all the guardrails didn't connect any of them. Charlie, I don't know if you got to see any of this. Will was on Twitter a little bit, but they just put the guardrails there. They didn't connect them to anybody. And during a match uh, between Jay White and Juice Robinson, Jay White like slings Juice right into the guardrail that's in front of the commentary table where Josh Barnett and Jim Ross are. And they that guardrail goes through and it pushes that table back a good three or four feet. Uh, Jim Ross looks hurt for a second. And Josh Barnett stands up and looks at the dude and says, you done fucked up now um, on on his mic, on his commentary mic. And there's this whole bit. And we don't know if that spot's worked. But Jim Ross apparently wasn't filled in that this was going to happen because Jim Ross starts going off on how unprofessional this is. The officials around here need to get their shit together. Uh, it was just a far cry oh, of what man. it was. Yeah, it freaking funny um in a way and it keeps going like he just starts and then he jim ross goes into burying this kid for the rest of the match um these two are fighting on the apron he goes oh look we're on the apron where everybody likes to spend a lot of time these days like he gets pretty fucking salty um then they calm it down eventually but it's it's with this happening right here and it being so close this isn't like Later, what we'd see during the Attitude Era, where we've got the announce tables, and here comes, and everybody knows the spot's going to come. It's like, these just two dudes that are, you know, they've already fought to the point where one of their eyeballs came out, um, and they're right behind me. I'd be a little nervous, too. But these two guys are hitting each other with these objects, and it, I don't know if this is the point you were going to make, so I don't want to step on your toes, but ain't no disqualification called, and they're, they're hitting each other with chairs. So they get in the ring, and they just let him go. I'm like, good, let these two dudes go. So Stan Hansen pushes Randy Anderson out of the ring, and he comes up and disqualifies them both. I felt kind of uh, messed up. But this is where we get Dusty's, they almost knocked over my cavassier, I mean water, <laughs> come in. Uh, and uh, I just, this ruined the match for me. Like, it took a lot of it out because it was I was just really into it. And for it to be, it's Stan Hansen and Vader, and it just ends in a double DQ because the ref goes, uh-uh. Uh, I mean, even with the brutal breakdown after it that apparently doesn't want to stop um, going into it. But, I mean, it's still, I gave it a six. Yeah, it's, I, I think that's fair. I, I, I mean, I get what you're saying about that ending. Charlie, what'd you think about it, man? So up to this point, this has probably been my most anticipated match. And when they announced that they were going to do this, I think at the at the last show we watched, uh, Clash, I was so excited. I was so pumped to see what this could even remotely look like. Um, Vader's entrance, yeah, I, I noticed that the thing with the, the, the steam or whatever the hell that shit is not coming out properly on the one side. I'm like, ah, well. Uh, sexy Stan Hansen coming out and 
that was a he had a really good ring entrance and this thing just starts vader like hits stan hansen with a massive lariat like it's right out of the corner i think and i mean it just it, i mean it shook me i was like oh my god and this was right around the time where yeah like stan hansen's leaking chaw all out of his mouth and Randy Anderson counts a two count on one of these moves. And then if you notice, if you're, if you're looking for it, Randy Anderson actually, with his bare hand, wipes away some of the tobacco out of the ring. And it's just absolutely disgusting. <laughs> it just really grossed me out. Stan Hansen does a great belly-to-back suplex on Vader. And yes, when they go to the outside, because I'm enjoying this immensely at this point, but then they go to the outside. And now I'm getting a little nervous. And and it's I find it just very um, sh- surprising that Stan Hansen broke out the weapons first. Because it's like, that takes some balls to do that to Vader. And then Vader with that chair, um, which, yeah, was it's like one of those chairs that you would sit in in school basically i mean there's it's plastic there's no give just waffles him with it and then he, he just and then he he picks up which is just probably the one of the a contender for best of luck spot of the night he vader picks up stan hansen and just drapes him over the guardrail and i mean it hurt me to watch that and and Stan Hansen, you can tell he's messed up a little bit. But, man, he just keeps fighting. And this match is so entertaining. And it was at this moment that I wrote down in my notes, please don't end in a DQ. Because I could feel it. You know how you could sense the yeah. DQ coming? Yeah. Sometimes you're like, oh, no. You know, it's like it's like in the old days when you'd watch the TV show and you'd be like, they've got five minutes left and there's, they're not even close to wrapping the story up. This is going to be a two-parter. God damn it. And like this is the equivalent of that. And sure enough, Randy Anderson can't take it anymore. And he calls for the DQ. And I am beyond pissed. And apparently Vader was too, because for him, the match wasn't over. Uh, he continues the fight. He, he goes to the top rope and just, uh, just waffles him with this great clothesline off the top rope. And then now the match becomes almost biblical in its violence with... Uh, I believe it's Vader wrapping the, the the rope around Stan Hansen's neck. And, well, we're going to take this to the back. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go find Missy. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like the way you talked to her. You're going to apologize, right? That's now. right. It's like, I'm the base you should have found. Um, JR, <laughs> JR gets really mouthy with the outside violence. And, uh, yes, this is when Dusty mentions the Cavassier moment. Uh, but JR... I thought this was a very uh, interesting use of this word. JR says that he is flowing. Did you catch that? Flowing? I am flowing right now. And then, and then Dusty's like, oh, me too, baby. I'm flowing. I'm like, flowing? Did, did that, does that word mean something different? I know. That's, <laughs> that's a thing, like, yeah. We're, we're flowing. Like, oh, all right, just go with it. Um, I'll be honest. This was on its way to being a 10. <laughs> this was on its way to being a 10 for me. Because it was, Jason, you pointed it out with the level of violence. It was the right amount of violence for me. Where, you know, it's not like 
Vader Cactus Jack on that Saturday night episode where he busted his eye open where I was like, okay, that's too much. Like, this was just right teetering on the line where I'm like, this is fun. Like, this is just a great, let's just see what the two monsters collide. It made me think of Goldberg, Brock Lesnar, uh, WrestleMania, the WrestleMania match specifically uh, from last year or two years ago or whatever. I was just like, I just want to see two big guys just, just fucking fight each other. And then the DQ happened and I was completely deflated. I'm hoping that we see a rematch with a definitive end with these two. But I have to give it a five. I was very disappointed. Yeah, the ending kind of dropped it down for me too. I'm right at a five as well. This was this was a um, god dang it was. It lived up to its billing. What I thought it was going to be for the most part, I would say, um, with the exception of an ending, which I was kind of looking ahead to see if we we do get it. But um, yeah. It'd be nice to see. It it would be nice to see. Like, because I'm trying to think. Like, if we do get, um, because I'm trying to think. Like the trajectory here of Vader. Because it's like he's kind of early. Because it's not until '92 when it's like it's all it's 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 full on, it's full on right. Vader. But yeah, because I, because I have have you guys watched the match where the eye comes out like. The Stan Han- I have not watched that match ever. It's Japan. No, right? where Vader's eye comes out? Yeah. I've never watched it. No, I have not. Yeah. So. Is that is that a, is that a, available on the network? Like, I don't even know what show that was. It's Japan. It's a, it's a Japanese match. Yeah. Oh no, I I don't know if I could. Uh, it's 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 bad enough watching the Cactus Jack match where he lost his ear. <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> like right. When he goes over the top rope, and I'm like, oh no no. Oh no! Don't, I don't say it, and so I, I don't know. It's like uh, if I had the option to erase Sid breaking his leg from my head, I, I, I think I would take it. Yeah, you know, like oh, like oh, oh, that girl broke up with me. I need to get it out of my. No, I will take Sid breaking his leg over like any kind of heartache. That'll be my eternal sunshine. <laughs> Just so the having to see Vader put his eye back in. No, I'm good. So now we go we go back to Dusty and JR and they briefly talk about the US title match coming up. They say it like once the match starts, but just to give like the idea is that the winner of this is going to get a new US title belt, a $20,000 US title belt. So that's hanging in the balance here. Luger and uh, Luger and Spivey kind of pick things up from uh Jesus Christ this seems like it was from Halloween Havoc was where they 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 did this where Spivey did the run in on Luger yeah. and it's just like god dang we're finally back to this but Luger is, I'll say this Lex Luger's like run in this WCW period we're going through it's taking on a lot of he's taking on a lot of comers you know that's for yep. sure so here we go we've got Dan Spivey uh taking on Lex Luger for the United States Championship Charlie, what you think of this, ma'am? I was wondering how long it would take for JR to start talking about football. <laughs> <laughs> Seven matches. I don't I don't remember hearing it earlier, uh, but I you definitely hear it. He just could not help himself. <laughs> and and it's not just this match, it's the remainder of the show, and I'll really go in on it. 
in a little bit here. Um, of, uh, a lot of, man, oh man. Uh, Dan Spivey threw, throws Lex Luger into the other ring. <laughs> it's quite a little tumble. Um, it's pretty interesting. Dan Spivey does a tombstone pile driver. Dan Spivey does a DDT. Dan Spivey does a top rope elbow. <laughs> like, he's like out to kill Lex Luger. Uh, he does another pile driver. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, this match is no DQ as well. And I never heard that. So this is where I'm going to bring this up. Is this just JR's cover for when somebody gets thrown over the top rope? That's a good question. Yeah. Because I swear to God, like you mentioned it, you guys mentioned it earlier. I never heard the no DQ thing like before the, those other matches. But I might be wrong. I know for a fact I never heard it for this match before the match started up until JR going, well, it's just a no DQ. And it just, and it was right after someone went over the top rope. And I'm wondering if it's a cover. Because if it is, it's a lame cover. And they need to get rid of it. They need to get rid of this over-the-top rope thing. I've, I, I love the explanation for the no DQ. Or sorry, for the uh, for the over-the-top rope rule. Like, why that was put into place. I think it's actually quite smart. But it you can only do that for so long. Before things just get a little ridiculous. Um, the match becomes... Uh, I. I wrote it one way, but I'm going to call it the way Jared called it. Uh, it's football tackle city uh, here in Phoenix. And it's a shoulder block. Everyone, they, these guys use shoulder blocks to each other the whole match. And, of course, Jim Ross calls out the football tackles. Uh, Dan Spivey was a Georgia Bulldog. Yeah, I needed to know that. Yep. Uh, yeah, a double shoulder block. Um, so the double shoulder block happens and it's a big time collision at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> so Dusty tries to make a sports reference, but for whatever reason, he picked golf and Dusty says Luger needs to bring himself back to par here or halfway to par. Dusty, do you know what par is? <laughs> no, baby. No, baby. I do not. Par is average. Par is literally a two out of out of four. You know, it's he needs to bring himself back to average or below it. <laughs> you know, like halfway to par. I'm like, he's already at halfway. He's getting his ass kicked. You know, it's just it was a weird analogy to say. Um, there's OK, so it's no DQ, right? Why is there an in-ring 10 count? Because no DQ also means no count out. But there's an in-ring 10 count. Sorry. It's just, I think this was a bullshit thing that Jim Ross made up. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I would have just ignored it. Like, he drew more attention to it by by, by saying that. Um, so this is when the match, I just completely went off the rails here. Uh, so Lex Luger wins with a total small package. <laughs> and I wrote, the next wrote, note I wrote was boring, all in capital letters. This match sucked. This was ungodly, just fucking terrible. Uh, Lex Luger, like, as if his, he is one of the stiffest looking wrestlers. And I don't mean like he hits hard. He, he, he just, he, it's like he's afraid to move. It's like he's constantly moving through some gelatinous type of substance when he's punching somebody. I hate it. I hate watching him do it. Uh, it's 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 painful for me 
And yeah, he did. And well, your little uh, Photoshop thing, which is one of the best Photoshops <laughs> you've done in years. Um, I that was really the only thing that was carrying me through this with any form of entertainment because he does. You know, the, the, he the, Jim Ross doesn't call it out, but he did call for the torture rack. He did, and. And it's true. It, I feel like this is at least 65 to 70% of all Lex Luger matches. You want it? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know. <laughs> when I call for the torture rack in World Tour or Revenge, oh, I deliver. <laughs> I will give you that goddamn torture rack. It doesn't matter. I'll even do two or three if the special lasts long enough. <laughs> but, but, uh, my favorite comment of the match comes from Dusty, right here, right at the end. One of the greatest matches I have ever witnessed. <laughs> yeah. I was dying. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, what, who, who are they trying to build up here? This thing was awful. Uh, God, like, I have it at a four, but I'm knocking it. It's a three. Like, going back through it, this match was terrible. And... And really, I'm putting the blame on Luger here. I thought Spivey was excellent in this thing, but God damn, like they have no chemistry, and Luger is just a chore to watch. So, so well, remember last Luger. last show he was at Clash, and he was like he was wrestling himself or something that wasn't there. Oh yeah, there. that's what you said. It's like <laughs> yeah, it just looked bizarre. So yeah, I hear what you're saying, Jason. What'd you think of it, man? Well, uh, I think it's really cool that as Dan Spivey is coming up the the stairs right up under the falling sea, he sees the cameras are right there waiting for him, and he immediately gets that crazy look in his eye. He goes full Christopher Lloyd. It's like he sees, oh, Lex, give me the Genesis device. It is fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's just, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, and he comes out like he has just got that look. You know, he is ready. Lex comes out. Lex is like, I just want to get this over with. Like, I, I don't like being this hot. Um, you know, I'm ready to get back to Chicago where, you know, I played football for a second and then went to Canada and played football. Um, I do want to know, how do you block an atomic drop? Because Spivey gives Luger an atomic drop that fully lands. It's not that he doesn't get off the ground. It fully lands. Luger just turns right around and clotheslines him. And Jim Ross goes, he blocked that one. I, I still don't know. Um, uh, at some point, they call Nick Patrick the supervisor of officials, uh, which is great. That's a rowdy bunch. <laughs> Pee Wee, put down the bourbon. Goddamn. Somebody's got to do it. I mean, it's like, you know, king of beers, supervisor of officials. It's just so. Missy, cool. Missy Hyatt needs to go into the referee locker room. <laughs> I'm hoping I catch a babe. It's like Tiny Pee Wee. He's a fucking tripod. She's just like, oh my god! Oh, no. <laughs> Justin Credible comes out of nowhere. We go fuck him, Francine. Still, that that just that was so gross. Um, yes, this was. is yeah. It's 1991, and Lex Luger kicks out of a tombstone pile driver like Roman Reigns kicking out of Zack Ryder's broski boot. I mean, he's just like nothing. Just <laughs> like no no um then spivey hits lex with a rude awake uh, a rude awakening a ddt and all that is and the tombstone all that's within three minutes and lex kicks out of 
one. That's amazing one. offense. Yeah. I just want to know, you know, when you get the games and all the wrestlers have their ratings, those numbers, is Spivey like an 82? Spivey's moveset is right out of THQ. Like, either World Tour or Revenge. It's strong grapple. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Let's yeah. see what it is. Yeah. It's like he went through and just decided to make all the special, like, all the finishers are his fucking signatures and build-up moves. It's great. Um, so... <laughs> He'd be one of those guys, like, if you if he actually got a special in that game, it'd be a bear hug. It'd be like, oh, man, come on. It would be the worm. You just want to see a six-foot-eight guy do the worm. That's I think it. That's, uh, I think that's Jim the Anvil Nightheart's special. <laughs> it's like, oh, of course it is. Yeah. Nobody knows what Jim Nightheart's special is because nobody uses Jim Nightheart in Revenge. Nobody. <laughs> right. Like, who would pick him? <laughs> Unless you're doing a tag team with him or maybe Brad or Bulldog. Right, right, right. But, oh, man. And then Spivey hits that fucking elbow drop that could also be a finish. Because it looks just like Kyrie Sane's elbow drop. Like, I don't know how a dude that big curls himself into a ball in midair. Because Lex is only like three feet away from the freaking post. Um, the crowd sounds hot. Jim Ross and Dusty tell us that they're on their feet, but the fans are on camera just sitting down. And <laughs> one of them is yawning with a full stretch. Like, this is a big yawn. This isn't just like, oh, whoo, it's, it's bad. Um, but this is when I notice when I see the guy yawn, this is when Captain Arizona caught my eye. Uh, and Captain Arizona, as I said, he keeps screaming the whole night at, at people, and I noticed it. And I'm like, man, is he on Luger or is he on Spivey? No, he is all over Dick Patrick, the supervisor of officials. He is pointing, you suck. Like, at some point, he does the three-hand clap to let a ref know how you're supposed to count, and it's Lex and Spivey are punching each other. Yeah, not I got like, this guy. I wrote this to uh, Nick Patrick doesn't know what to do with himself. He's like, why is this guy, like, yelling at me? This yeah. And it, what's great is at some point someone yelled at this guy to either sit down or shut the fuck up because he does this slow, stoic turn like he's the Rock and Hogan at WrestleMania 18 <laughs> taking the moment. And then I don't know if the guy who tells it to him is really big or what because he does the same slow and stoic move and then sits back down. But then immediately the next three count, he is up like in Nick Patrick's face again. And I love it. And this dude's at the end of the show. As I said, he, he's a standout all night. Um, it, it's just, it's fantastic. The match ends with a power slam roll up, which could be kind of cool, but not from Lex Luger. Um, and Dusty, one of the greatest matches I have ever witnessed. The moment he says that I have a fucking flashback to season one. We're like, what, they're like the second match in, and Shivani says, I think this is the greatest pay-per-view I've ever seen. Right. Like, one of those, like, are you trolling <laughs> kind of things? It's just that, or how much Cavassier did you have? You know, it's it, it's it's pretty bad. Um, like Charlie said, I, I Spivey looks magnificent right here. But yeah, I gave this match a, a four. Yeah, um... I have this at a three as well. I, I think, man, we talked about this a lot longer than I thought we would because <laughs> this thing is just, yeah, it's not very good. I think it goes somewhere around twelve minutes as well. Yeah, it, it that finish. Yeah, I was good like, enough for the York Foundation. I know. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm more interested in this bit that happens next. Uh, this is uh, this is interesting. So we so now that Luger wins. 
we got to do the presentation of this $20,000 bell. So we go up to Tony, who's with Grizzly Smith, a.k.a. the father of Jake the Snake Roberts. Am I correct on that? I think he is, right? Oh, yeah. Know, he's a fucking giant. Yeah. Oh, man. And he's with Nikita Koloff for the presentation of the U.S. title. Nikita gives a brief intro into praising Luger and then waffles him with the new belt. <laughs> Which, Dude, the, were you just waiting the whole time? Just yeah. Like, just hit him. Just hit him. The, <laughs> yeah, I know you're going to. That belt didn't look like the U.S. title either. It looked it, like the, it also, the, the world title. Well, it also looked like it was about a half a pound. Yeah. Uh, when when the Nikita picked it up. Belt. <laughs> the half pound twenty thousand dollar championship belt bullshit. No way. We we don't have to wait for people to have signs that say why Nikita why because Tony asks him why he did it, and <laughs> we get this we get this interesting tale of him sitting in a gym in North Carolina while all these title changes are going on. He, he <laughs> what a back. <laughs> I, I was. Yeah, yeah, Nikita Koloff origins is one of the best <laughs> stories I've heard in recent times. So is he, this we learned he is Russian, right? <laughs> and, and Luger, I, I suppose, is just laying there listening to it. <laughs> Nikita, well, that was it. He, he says, you know, two tombstones. Yeah, it's a long story. Yeah, he keeps going, but the problem is Nikita never knows where the microphone is, so we don't like. Right. It doesn't come through very clear. So he then asked the championship committee about getting a, a, a title shot. And this is where I'm not clear if he's talking about the world title or the U.S. title. But then it's um, it, it, he then kind of reverts to the Ric Flair plan of like, well, I, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to get the U.S. title so I can get to the world title. See, yes, he was talking about the world title. He said the title I've never held. And I'm like, well, it's not the U.S. title. Right. So then. So his way to get to the world champion is to challenge Lex Luger for the U.S. title. Like, it didn't make any sense. Right. It was a convoluted story. <laughs> right. Well, I'm, it's still supposed to be with their their whole the U.S. title holder is supposed to be the number one contender for the world heavyweight championship. Except we're now almost a year into our our season, and I haven't seen the U.S. champion fight the world heavyweight champion once. And, and I haven't seen the U.S. tag champions take on the world tag team champions either. So right. it, it, it's kind of bullshit. It's like, dude, just do a run-in on Sting or Ric Flair. I'm sorry. Just do a run-in on him. You'll be fine. You'll get a title shot in two weeks. You'll be in good shape. You don't have to do all this nonsense. And all the while, he's taking off all his clothes. And like he's just like, great. let me get this do-rag off. I don't even know why I'm wearing this <laughs> stupid thing. It's like he wants the match now. Yeah. And I'm like, man, man, Luger's unconscious back there. You know, he just take it, <laughs> go take it. He's cashing in. He had a briefcase. Luger lay there like a slug. Yeah. <laughs> I, the thing is, too, like, like you said, Charlie, like you see this from the moment they put him on the camera. Like, man, Nikita doesn't look too happy. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. He's not a big fan of New Russia. <laughs> I heard that. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, um, New Russia. It's like there's a lot of confusing bits about this because when Lex beats Spivey, he gets the old U.S. championship and clutches it like, yeah, I'm got to get the hell out of here. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm about to get a new belt. Right. And he gets up there, and Nikita Koloff calls Lex Lester. He says, I wanted to give you this, Lester. <laughs> <laughs> it's like right before. I was like, oh, is he talking? And Lester, then he, I got something for you, Lester. <laughs> Boom. And then just floors him. I think part of why Nikita <laughs> Koloff's origin story is so fucking long 
is because he's telling it while he's wrestling with his shirt to yeah. get it off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because those cufflinks and that third button were giving him a big problem. <laughs> Look at me, I'm still in shape. <laughs> it, it was not... It was cool. I'm mean, cool to see Nikita Koloff. It's just weird. And Dusty Rose is just acting so indignant. That was my former tag team partner. I'm going to have to have a talk with him. I know. Shut I the love f- the talk. I love that he wants to have a talk with him. That's my favorite part of this. It's like, oh, you do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do, do you? <laughs> well, why don't we send Missy Hyatt back there and see what happens? Huh? <laughs> Jesus. So now we go to we go to our world tag team title match up next. We have the fabulous Freebirds with Diamond Dallas Page, Diamond Dolls. He introduces another guy in a second with more Diamond Dolls, taking on Doom, who are the world tag team champions. With what's what? What is it? Who is that guy? Dink. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's like D- Diamond Dink. What? Or I, I thought it was Dick. It's Peter Dinklage. It's the Diamond yeah. Dick. Time and dick front butt. <laughs> like, who the hell's this jabroni? <laughs> <laughs> and he turns out to be the most crucial element of this yeah. match. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Much to my surprise. So then I, Dusty like immediately like zeroes in on one of the diamond dolls, like good looking brown sugar there. Like Yo, yeah. I yep. just let it go. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Paige gets on the mic and he puts himself over before he brings out Big Daddy Dink with more diamond dolls. He can't stop I, saying like, "Good God!" Like, he really gets locked into this. He thinks he's James Brown. I think. I think that's no, what no he's, that's not till two thousand DDP. Yeah, I. It seems like that's what he was trying to do with the whole like you know he said goes down to a knee they put the coat over him and everything and it. it it's a it is once again it's it's amazing to see where this guy's going to go in terms of promos later on like it, it's it's really cool it's going to be a cool evolution for him but doom is once again put in a position where they aren't positioned to either be the face or the heel but then they somehow kind of become de facto face i it's really sad I, i'll save that the rest of that for the end of the match but um, you thought Doom was being worked as the face? Well, no, no. They kind of become the de facto face with the crowd. Like they, the crowd. Oh, I thought it was the other way around. The, the crowd. Well, the crowd cheers for Ron Simmons. Like, right. It, it, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, because the way I saw it also was that uh, the Freebirds were the ones that were on the defensive for most of the match. And yeah. I was like, what the hell's this? But like, this is the problem. This is this confusing booking they've been doing with Doom since when we started. Like, the only time it feels like, or the couple times, I should say two times, when they wrestled Sting and Luger, they were definitely the heels. When they wrestled the Rock and Roll Express, they were definitely the heels. But then when they wrestled the Horsemen, it was like, well, you know, uh, you pick and choose. Uh, you know, they're moments. Get, get that man an American flag. Yeah, There we go. I do love, though, Simmons works, like, his spine buster in this is unbelievable. It's scary. (laughs) The crowd even is scared. Even Big Van Vader is somewhere. He's probably like, whoa, wait a a minute. I thought he was legitimately pissed after a while. (laughs) Like, he was like, I was having Jeff Hardy flashbacks. Like, oh, you're going to take it. (laughs) You know, that kind of thing. Dumbass Michael Hayes, I love this. He gets duped to come into the ring, and then the referee stops him and he complains. It's like, you're a heel! You do this all the time! 
We had an agreement. <laughs> we had an accord. And then randomly throughout the match, Garvin pops off a DDT. Right. And it's not the finish. It's like, well, we know that's not the finish. So what? All right. The Garvin mon- appears hammered. he really looks like he needs help alright so I don't feel like this goes on too long I'm just I gotta I'm gonna segue real quick I just wanna look at the time on this yeah it's really short this match is really short it's only it's just under 7 minutes and then the the finish just comes with once again the poor ref is distracted and then Butch Reed just levels Ron Simmons with an international object, a.k.a. brass knuckles. Garvin gets pushed into Ron Simmons for the pin. By and Dick uh, Diamond. Exactly. Hey, man, get on top. You got this, buddy. <laughs> Shit. Man, Billy Gibbons with the assist. And so we have... I, I don't even know last time we had a title change on the show. Besides... So important. Uh, yeah, the fabulous Freebirds are the new world tag team champions, and I w- and then this leads to afterwards uh, the breakup of Doom because Simmons is Simmons is rightfully upset. Regis waffles him again, and Teddy Long goes in on him. So the schism has happened. Doom is finished, and uh, Ron Simmons just gets annihilated by uh, Butch Reed, and they go off. Um, I I'll get into the. Th- yeah. Before, before, um, or I'll let you guys do your, I'll do my rating, you guys do your stuff, and then we'll talk about this tag team title thing, because it's WCW as fuck, is what it is. Um, I give this, I, I gave this a four. I, I really wasn't super, I guess, no, no, wait, I'm revising that, because I, I, I got zeroed in on after the first match. So I'm going to dial it down to a three, okay? All right? Because I was, I was, yeah, there we go. I, let's just be... I'm trying to be consistent here. Because, yeah, I... Man, this was a way to go out for Doom, wasn't it? I guess it kind of seemed fitting since they were just kind of booked like shit this entire run. So, Jason, what'd you think of it? Did you like this more than a three? Or what'd you think? Well, I know that if I had never, ever watched wrestling before or, or hadn't watched it in a long time and saw this entrance, I would think DDP is the star of the show. That's a good point. Um... That's because he's like two inches taller than anybody else on stage with him. He's in the middle. The Diamond Dolls are draping on each side. The Freebirds come up, but they're all just sashaying their way. Um, It takes them forever to get down the ramp. Like, they keep doing their little shimmies. And I think at some point someone just says, come on, because then they finally start walking normal. Uh, Then they get back in the ring. And then here's more of this. You know, it's DDP, good God, good God, good God, good, like a fucking Pokemon named Good God, um, telling every like telling what's going to go. He's like, I'm going to introduce someone else. And for a second, I was like, is this where Scott Hall comes in? And then, no, you get a guy who looks like biker Danny DeVito from Batman Returns <laughs> coming out, um, just walking to the ring with his own set of diamond dolls. And then they all get in the ring, and these guys, like, form a fucking friendship circle. And then DDP's like, I'm their manager, but I got to go. Bye. <laughs> what the fuck is that? I've done my part. Um, then here come Doom, you know? And it's like, there's Teddy Long's walking with Butch Reed, and then Ron is kind of dragging. 
but everything's supposed to be fine. And, you know, like, I'm really rooting for Doom. Thank God that, I, you know, I'm glad that Michael P.S.A.'s and Jimmy Garvin weren't like, hey, you ready to go all Confederate when we fight Doom? No. <laughs> it's just like some guy goes, no. Because um, I think that would have been god awful. Um, and then the match finally starts. And Ron Simmons is right off the bat just power slamming the shit out of people. Like, it's like Charlie said, I think Ron is pissed um, at something because his moves look rough uh, and all over Michael Hayes. And then Jimmy Garvin gets in there. And when Jimmy Garvin goes over to Butch Reed and says, I want him, tag him. I like how Butch Reed's just like, please tag me. Please let me in. And the commentators zero in on that. I'm like, that's good. You're making it where these guys aren't sweating the free birds. Um, but one thing that's kind of more than kind of annoying to me in this match is how Michael Hayes is prancing in the ring. Not just like, ooh, look at me, I'm eating up time that he's normally doing. There's a spot where uh, I think it's Butchery's has him in a gorilla press slam. He slams him. Jimmy Garvin runs in. Butchery then picks up Jimmy Garvin. And Michael Hayes just kind of frolics over to him and punches him. Like, they're really in, like, 80s freebird mode as far as their movement. And I think Jimmy Garvin, I know you say he was drunk, but he's working his ass off compared to Michael P.S. Hayes. Garvin's taking uh, sunset flips. He's taking all these big, big bumps. Um, but then we get the miscommunication with the brass knuckles, or as Jim Ross says, nooks like 80,000 times. I cannot stand the way this motherfucker says it. The nooks. Oh, my God, the nooks having flashbacks of the Attitude Era where every other fucking week someone was getting beat to death with nooks. So I hate it. Um, but the replay is when I noticed how integral to this win that Big Daddy Deke was as he grabs Jimmy Garvin, pulls him halfway through the ring, and then pushes him on top of Ron Simmons. That's a good manager. That's the best managing I've seen out of anybody in a long time. Um, but, you know, this match sucks i don't know i don't know if it's because i don't like free birds um or what but i had to give this bad boy a three charlie what you think man i'm on a similar wavelength uh <clears throat> <Shabbat>. much... <laughs> pretty much covered it all so i'll just mention the things that i noticed that haven't been mentioned uh ron simmons was number 50 for the florida state seminoles mm. he's burt reynolds favorite wrestler <laughs> <laughs> ron simmons has played in two orange bowls all right and the international object is used and then about a minute later jim ross calls it a foreign object which i thought we weren't doing but apparently it's wcw because fuck you that's why uh i really didn't like this but i i gave it a four all right, two things with this. So the funny thing about the Freebirds winning, the, I hated it, first of all, before I knew this note. I was like, are you kidding me? These guys are getting the belts. This is terrible. But then I read this note. Would you guys be surprised that by this point, the <laughs> the Freebirds had already lost the tag titles they had just won in a TV taping to the Steiner brothers? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> they oh. haven't... They technically have a title reign of negative six days. Because six days... <laughs> they went back in time. <laughs> they, lo- they they had already taped it. The Steiners have already won the world tag team titles by this point. So that made me feel a little bit better. Because 
I was not happy at all because last show they had seemed to kind of build towards this. And I was like, and even after Starcade, you know, where they had had, he thought was the blow off of that feud with, with, uh, with Ricky Morton and with Tommy Rich. It's like, nope, these guys are on the upward swing. So I was like, oh my God, why? Cause they suck. Like, I mean, I, again, Charlie, you've mentioned it and JC mentioned it like, Respect where they come from. Respect the history, like, you know, the stuff with WCCW, you know, uh, with the Von Erics. But this is not good Freebirds at all. Oh, it's terrible. Like, DDP is a nice little shot in the arm, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But it uh, doesn't work. And, and I'll say this, too, because I was really confused by this. So Ron Simmons is basically being booked to be the, the face in the Meltdown of Doom, um, which may, is weird because Butch Reed, wasn't he the one that accidentally hit Ron Simmons? Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I say that, usually in situations like this, it's because it's 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 the Owen Hart thing from Survivor Series '93. Brett accidentally hit him, and that's what made Owen turn heel. But Butch Reed hits Ron Simmons, and that makes Butch Reed turn against Ron Simmons. Well, you know what I mean. Well, Teddy Long, Teddy Long does yell. That's what you get for costing me the tag team championship. But so. Butch Reed was the one that hit Ron Simmons. <laughs> like, yeah. It's it's backwards. It should have been the other way around. Right. But anyway, that, that just that's one of those WCW things I, I picked up on. I was like, no, they didn't do that right. But I get, you know, but of course, Ron Simmons needs to be the face. Right. Right. This is gonna be a cool year for him. I'm pumped for him because. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, I he gets wait. the next year and probably some change. I think it's a year and a couple months. He's got a pretty cool run. The other thing, because I don't think it's such a big thing in the next match. Philip sent this to us, and it's awesome. And this is just for you, Charlie. This is just for you. I saved this for now because I knew this would be the match where it would kind of reach its peak. There are, from Jim Ross, 21 football references on this show. Dusty Rhodes adds in three more himself, making 24. Thus, there is a football reference every five minutes on this show. <laughs> That's more than double how many matches there are. <laughs> you know, because right, I'll, 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 I'll give... I'll give him the credit for, for taking the notes. I've been thinking about doing this for several shows, and I just don't have it in me. I'm like, I'm going to be writing all day, you know, trying to keep track of the fucking football notes. So, good. Yeah. It, it feels like more, honestly. Yeah, it really does. So, one more of the same Super Brawl promo that we've been getting on. <laughs> and now a look at Super Brawl. Logo. It's like, it's such Here a, it is. Isn't it great? This is more of an ECW type of thing, you know, yeah. it's like just show the graphic for the next show. You know, that's it. It looks so cheap. And, and they just, by the way, Super Bowl is coming. I'm like, you could easily just tell me, you know, you don't have to show me the logo. Right. And yeah, it's interesting, too, because that is the next show. Yeah. And it's like three months away. There's no clash in between. There isn't. Nope. No, next clash is in June. Yeah, this is our that's next show. That Japanese thing is somewhere. I'm thinking, I mean, it's not on the network because I looked. So There's literally a fourth of this year that we're cutting out. Really? There is no show? Wow. Oh, I had I looked it up. Yeah, there's okay. no show. All right. Fair enough. I didn't do we're my homework. God summer. dang it. Um, well, you t- you kind of did because I, I, I keep that, that list you sent yeah. I, on my phone at all times. Oh, so yeah. I can, okay, what's I forgot the next about show? that. Jesus. Yeah, and I looked at that's where I found it. I was like, holy shit, there's three months of nothing from us, like in terms of the timeline. I think it's the biggest gap we have. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Maybe we should find that Japanese show. <laughs> somebody out there might be able to find it. I guarantee somebody out there is probably... Yeah, if somebody could supply that for us, I'd say that might not be such a bad idea to do something like that. Well, God dang. Well, God dang. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. This next bit, I'm going to I'm going to turn this over to you, Chuck, because you put it out on Twitter. This is your mo <laughs> this is <laughs> This is where I know you had some stuff to say. So, why don't we watch us watch us set this up for us. Jim Ross, Dusty Rhodes, and Julian. Is that his name? Yeah, it's his name. Okay. So <laughs> Well, this is my favorite moment of the night. Uh, Julian won some kind of contest. And apparently this is the reward. Uh, standing with Jim Ross and Dusty, with Dusty oddly having his arm around him, and, uh, and JR basically asking him questions. And the questions uh, are as follows. and Because it gets off to a bad start right <laughs> off the bat. It is, who is your favorite? JR asks, who is your favorite team tonight in the war games? And then Julian, the future Warrior Award winner, uh <laughs> replies with doom and this is a problem for two reasons one as jr points out well they just split up kid <laughs> <laughs> which is really funny but the other reason that it's a problem they're not in the fucking war games and he's wearing a sting shirt and he's wearing a sting shirt on top of that and he's answering very monotone i swear to god it's like he just got in the building uh, it's like, did you not just see Doom, like just absolutely disintegrate in front of our eyes? And and the kid, he's just, yeah, Doom, mm hmm, yep, yep, they broke up, and and Jr. He just, all right, kid, uh, why don't you, I want you to go back to your seat. <laughs> he, he says something like that. <laughs> he just, he just so, dis dismisses him. <laughs> all right, <clears throat> so to to follow up with you, Charlie. When we do these, when we do the episodes and we're recording, I like to play the pay-per-view in the background because I like to I see how longer we go, right? So right. since I was aware of Julian's existence uh, after watching it my time, I uh, I spotted old Julian. So what he won was he won front row seats oh. for his family. And what's cool is the kid, I guess, is his older brother because they're the only black people that are in this section. Uh is the kid, the guy who's sh casually shooting the middle finger. It's oh, that family. It okay. is. Yes. yes. Why didn't you Julie say this earlier? This is great. Yeah. I, was, I, did, I did not know that. That's yeah, cool. so I was waiting for now. So, and what's cool, too, is his brother, or whoever this is that's casually shooting the middle finger, is also taking up two chairs like a boss. <laughs> Fucking amazing. So, no, I saw that earlier, and I was like, that's Julian. <laughs> like, you know, that's like, Julian. that's Julian. But, uh. And honestly, like, so his prize was he won front row seats, and then he gets interviewed, <laughs> and you can it's it's barely audible, but Doom. on top of the look that Jim Ross gives him when he says to him, like for a second, Jim Ross is like, "You motherfucker, you ruined this this moment," and then just like cuts into, "Well, they just split up, you know, that's not good." And when Dusty walks the kid away, Dusty's like, "That's a good job, baby," <laughs> just like walks him off, you know. It's like, but I mean. Who knows if the kid was told you're going to be on TV? He was just like, "Hey, I won tickets. 
I don't know how. Did he write a poem about Burger King or something? Like, <laughs> I like to think that his brother Vernon Hardapple wrote the poem, and that's how they ended up getting on there. Because he seems to be wait, the wait, one who's pretty... Is that what he pretty... had to do? I don't know. He had, oh, I'm about to say he had to write a poem to get it. <laughs> it was the, the Burger King, the, the NWA Burger King Poetry Slam contest from like way back. Remember, the winner got to walk Captain Mike Rotunda to the ring. Oh, my God, that's right. And, but like this is just uh, like a, a, a microcosm and a much larger problem with professional wrestling. Never interview the fans. Yeah. Never yeah. No, interview the fucking fans. Like 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 this is one of the worst ones I've. And I hate saying that because this is a kid, but the, the kid just comes off like a moron. <laughs> and I and it's not his fault. He's just not ready for the camera. And it, it, another great example is any time. WWF did the in your house shows. Yeah. When uh, remember when they do that, they'd make the phone call and the the, the assholes would never answer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and Todd Pettengill would be like, "Oh, they're missing out on this opportunity." And I think they in one in your house they actually hang up the phone and then call somebody else. <laughs> they go, "Oh, he missed out on that house." And um, God, it was just so dumb. But uh, no, like never interview the fans, and also never interview Stu Hart. Uh, as I, as I'm, as I recall from uh, SummerSlam '91, but uh, know, you know, fans, well, you can see he's a little bit speechless. Well, back to you, gorilla. You know. So yeah, this was this was atrocious. We then get some footage of Flair in his khakis and no shirt coming off the top rope and dropping a knee on the back of Pillman's head from I think the previous night. He's not a hundred percent. But he's going to go. It's not the case for Arn Anderson. He's been swapped out for Larry Zabisco, as we've heard throughout the night. It, I'm not going to get into all so the rules. So hurt his arm, right? Uh, yeah. I I don't want to get into the rules of this because... Uh, oh, come on. It, we'd be here for days because it feels like... Well, well, it, well, let's talk about... Well, let's just talk about this. Can we talk about that Submit or text. Surrender? Because that's hilarious. Yeah, that's it. Submit or Surrender is great. But I just want to point this out. The text overcomplicates the rules. It does. It does. It's very simple. What like when I first read that text, I'm always a little unfamiliar with war games, and I swear to God, it's simply because I'm always reading the text and not listening to the match. Because it's a very simple idea. It's not like King of the Mountain, you know, the TNA match, and there's like five bullet points or six, and, and it nine. takes up multiple nine. It takes up yes. multiple pages, and it's it's very simple. It's like. First five minutes, there's two guys, and then there's a coin toss, and then every two minutes, two other guys, you know, one guy comes in, one guy comes in, and then when they're all in, it's a submission match. It, it's very simple. And <laughs> I actually had to pause every time and read it and then go, wait a minute, is it really just just like the f- rules one and five combined and that's it? <laughs> yeah, they just repeat. And instead of they make each person's entry – and then it's three on two for two minutes until it's two well, on two for two minutes. Well, then the best part is during all that bullshit, all those things, the one thing that they don't put in is the most important part, which is how to win the damn match. That's not in the text. No, they just, and I, I don't, do, do you guys, what's the difference between submit or surrender? I don't know. I don't, it's the same thing. Because, <laughs> or just pass out or die. Uh, as, as, as well, <laughs> or get told by a large, inarticulate uh, Argentinian that uh, an illegal alien. He's stealing an that illegal baby. alien. 
He's coming yeah. to take Brad Tillman's <laughs> job. You know what? He's right. <laughs> you don't know what he's saying. <laughs> so here we go. Who this? Once again, our teams are Ric Flair, Sid Vicious, Barry Windham, and Larry Sabisco. Con- <laughs> <laughs> One of these is not like <laughs> Are taking on a great team of Sting, Flying Brian, and the Steiner Brothers. Jason, so... There's a lot to unpack with this match, obviously. So, you know, just take it bit by bit or however you want to. Sure. Because it's Tony Schiavone. Now, everyone, for the words you've been waiting to hear in audio that cannot be heard because it's not coming through the TV, just recording off the PA, it's time for War Games. And here comes the cage with all kinds of pomp and circumstance and pyro. But only one part of the cage is shooting off pyro at some point, and then the cage bends in the middle. I was getting very nervous uh, for what's going on. But luckily, when they get it set up, here come the horsemen, not with horseman music, I guess, because they're technically not the horsemen because Larry Zabisco's there. Um, it was weird how they, they presented the teams when they come out. They announced them in pairs instead of saying, here is the horseman, this and this. It was just really awkward um, to come through. And... It's going back to the way that Tony Schiavone is reading these rules is luckily, though, as Tony Schiavone reads them, they highlight like some karaoke machine so that you can easily follow along, um, which is good. So we get in and uh, Barry Windham just hops right on in and they're out there. Here comes Sting's guys. And they're like, who who do we go? Who we go. And Brian Pillman outwits Sting and everybody with his taped up shoulder and just runs into the ring. Now, it's Pillman, so we all know what Pillman will become later on. So were either of you hoping he would pull a John McClane from the end of Die Hard and have the pistol from the home invasion taped to his back next to where that shoulder was? I was waiting for the gun. I was. Yeah. That would be good. <laughs> Who's going to submit? <laughs> so, um, and, and, I'm, and still, as someone who's watched a lot of war games, I was a little confused. I always thought war games was elimination, but it's not. Just no one can get eliminated until everyone comes in. So... But my big question is, if I were the horseman, wouldn't you have Sid Vicious start out for you? No, you're gonna I, here's have, why. Here's why. Okay. I don't know how good a shape okay. he's in. I want to wait. Okay. I want to keep him uh, uh, keep him back as long as I can. I probably would have sacrificed Zabisco. Just get out there. <laughs> Fuck you. Who's going first? <laughs> um, okay. I get it. I mean, just me, I was thinking, man, if you're going to have someone locked in there for five minutes, just let Sid Vicious kill him. Um, but that makes sense. Don't worry, Jason. Um, he takes care of that later. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't Zabisco uh, go in the Hall of Fame a few years ago? Yeah, and he ta- he's still talking. His speech is still going on. <laughs> that, that's right. <laughs> Damn. Uh, the hell's this going? <laughs> so that makes sense. I was just thinking. Uh, so... Barry Windham is going to bleed to death. Oh, my God. <laughs> Very early Because that is uh, a lot of blood. That's like Sid at what what pay-per-view that we, like in our first season, where he they had to like call Oh, it was Halloween match. Havoc. Uh, it was Havoc. It was the first, it was the, the very first match. episode of the pod. It was. Yeah. Right. Havoc 99. Yeah, it's still bad. Um, but, you know, I am, I guess I am really, really into no sell Brian Pillman. Cause he like, Wyndham's just hitting him and Pillman's like, Nope, 
He is, I'm the look, dude, it is so good. It's literally like, they're like, look at him. He's got so much heart. He's so much heart. Meanwhile, the guy in the ring is like, I'm sick and tired of them calling out how little I am. Fuck them. Watch this shit. Um, I can do stuff y'all can't do. And it's really good. Um, it, you know, I was surprised that Flair was the second of the horsemen in, you know, but it makes sense because then, you know, he's the dirtiest player in the game. He can be in there and just double team all day. Um, this is the first time I think I've ever seen Flair do his little crotch thing because he goes over to Sting's guys at the outside and uh, puts his hand on the rope and just shoves his little dick in their face. It's kind of weird. Um, I thought that was like WWE, you know, I'm 60 doing what I can to get a pop from the crowd, Flair. Uh, but when Sting comes in, this crowd jumps to a whole other level. It is incredible of just how into it. And, and Sting's got them fired up. Uh, he's just going crazy. He's going ballistic. But even in a war games, a Flair versus Sting match is a Flair versus Sting match. It's paint by numbers, just with extra squares. Um, but we go, you know, and then Zabisco comes in. I don't think other than that, I have a note about Zabisco. Um, but I am he's a, a non-factor. Yeah, <laughs> I am. He's Deborah. Um, I am a big, big fan of Rick Steiner's onesie that have numbers all over it. I just wish Scott was the one that was wearing it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That would just be really, really good. Um, so finally, when Sid gets in and everybody is in this ring, which, you know, in a way, like, yes, I was confused at why they didn't kick Sid off, but I was super excited. Okay. You got fresh ish Sid Vicious against super fresh Scott Steiner. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And it looked great how they had the ref holding Scott Steiner barely to keep him from just yeah, like, good luck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scott Steiner wanted to get in there. I don't think that cage would have stopped him because that door is barely hanging on, by the way. Um, but I'm not sure what happens. At some point, Sid looks very confused after he throws Rick Steiner into the cage and comes back and grabs his head. It's like Sid forgets where he is or Sam Beckett jumps into Sid. I don't know, but he just forgets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He looks at Brian Dillman. <laughs> To, to, to make wrong what should have been right. Um, That's right. But <laughs> the evil it's leaper. Really, it's really weird, and then they just go to it, so I'm not sure what happened. Um, then you get to this, everyone go into a big spot. <sighs> I don't know what to think of that, especially because Sid Vicious is over there yelling at Brian Pillman, figure four, put me in the figure yeah, four. I and, heard and, it yeah. too. and everybody <laughs> is, here we go, and at this moment, there it is. And it's cool because you see, and like, here's the horsemen. They're getting their, oh, they're getting their just desserts. So look at that. Dusty says, there is no way out because you can't get to the rope. There's no ref. No way out unless you get out. Or for some reason, everybody just lets go of the hold at once, which is what happens. Just no, They all stop. Like, no one keeps in there. I, I don't get it. Um, Flair will not take a flat back bump. Even if he's being thrust into the ceiling of the cage, <laughs> he is <laughs> that spot where Sting like just gorilla presses him like so many times, and Flair's like turning each time like ah, ooh, oh god, you know the old good old talky Flair, uh, which just sounds pretty pretty bad coming from that I'm sure, but uh, here we come, and my. In my brain, I was like, you know, why didn't Sid just get in here and just start powerbombing everybody as soon as he walked in? And then he powerbombed the smallest man in the match. And now I see why. That was gross and scary. Um, 
But, you know, it's like the tech tweet I put out. Hey, Brian, you okay? I don't know. Good, because we're going again. <laughs> he, may, he court, you know, give it to Sid. He corrects. He goes, okay. Uh, I'm going to over like we're going to do a racer's edge here. And then that's the end. Um, and just as Eligante lumbers out, I was just like, good. That's got to be Eligante. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. He's coming out. They're setting up. He's coming to check on his friend, his little tiny. Okay. Why does Eligante rip the fucking door off? You okay. know what? Like, that, but I mean, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Like, the, the door is already looking like it's about to fall off anyway. Uh, Jason, so I, I don't think this is storyline anymore. I think they just like, dude, go out there, wave the match off. Stop it. Because okay. he's out. I, I, yeah. I, again, he's out. But I mean, that, that's. Just it's just so dumb to for someone who's not in the match to call the match. I mean, I guess maybe that's what the surrender is. You don't have to be in the match to surrender. You say stop. Um, Didn't it make you think that maybe he should have been in the match and not Pelman? Exactly. That's what I was thinking too. Because <laughs> at first, I remember I thought they were saying at one point uh, during the clash that War Games was Sting, Luger, the Steiners, and Pillman against the Horsemen and someone else. And then it changed to just this four. Um, but my thing is, is okay, Arn's not, Arn's not in the match, but he's out there. But he doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's Arn Anderson Horseman shenanigans at all. Um, and I guess I get where you're saying they just called the match, but then at the same time, they called the match with barely any time left on the show. Um, because... We cut to Dusty and Jim Ross just sitting there. Uh, fans, I don't know how much time we have left in our broadcast, but enough time to have a ref cut a promo, uh, Dusty cut a promo, and then them queue up a replay from a, three matches ago, but the tape isn't ready yet, and then have 60 seconds of credits on the pay-per-view. Um, I gave this a five because it's War Games, the match beyond, called by ref decision. Okay, Charlie, what... Walk us through everything in this match, what you thought about it. What did you think of it? So Brian Pellman is a two-time All-American. <laughs> he played for the Cincinnati Bengals. And when he left, he got the Courage Award, whatever the fuck that is. Uh, Jim Ross says that his heart cannot be measured in inches or pounds, but they can probably be measured in yards, right, Jay? Uh <laughs> This, this is one of my least favorite kind of ways to build up a wrestler is to say things like he had when they talk about his heart, you know, because what that means is, yeah, we know he's small and Brian Pillman's not small, but when he's standing next to Sid, yeah, everyone is small standing next to Sid. I mean, he's like Arn Anderson is, is uh, other than his belly is really no bigger than Brian Pillman, but you know, for whatever reason that doesn't get brought up. I just I just hate this. I, I, I hate that we if Jim Ross talking about the fucking football shit, trying to get these guys over and it's like no they're already over. It's like let's talk about their wrestling ability. Let's talk about what what, what they're capable of doing in the ring. Brian Pillman, uh, you know, in WCW, especially during like pre Hollywood blondes, is one of the most exciting wrestlers that they have. But this this bullshit about his heart it just drives me nuts. Uh, Wyndham getting busted open. I didn't see him blade. 
uh, it happened right around the time where he was getting his face mashed into the into the cage. I'm, it had to be a blade job simply because of how much blood was coming out. Um, oh, sorry, we got to go back to the uh, how small Brian Pillman is. He is the littlest man in war games, but with the biggest heart. Oh, that's a health problem. Yes, <laughs> and it will be down the road. Um, Rick Flair comes in, and I've talked about this earlier. But I think I need to bring it up again simply because this is a little bit more extreme. And this is Ric Flair selling this coward bullshit for literally any wrestler. And it's not just for Brian Pillman. It's for an injured Brian Pillman. It's for a guy that has a, a this massive thing on his arm. And the second Flair and him lock eyes, Flair just, no! Oh, God. I just get so tired of it. Um, I love when Sting comes in and one of the first things he does is dive over both of the ropes just to get at Larry Zbysko. <laughs> <laughs> it is so funny. And, and, and it's, it's really also Zbysko does a great job of selling it. He completely flips over, but he's just like, what the fuck are you doing here? It <laughs> just clears him out. Um, Sid, I, I can't remember what he did, uh, I, but I have this note that says Sid destroys Rick Steiner. Uh, what? Anyone remember a move that he did to uh, him that just looked uh, awful? No. I don't have anything Other specific, than... but I, I, I kind of have a good... Um... Maybe he clotheslined him or like, elbow dropped him or something. Um, Flair is bleeding. Flair is screaming. And it's just so awful. I do like Sting picking him up and just gorilla pressing him repeatedly into the top of the cage. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that's really cool and and really shows like uh, like his strength and his his ability to control the situation with him up there. Um, uh, the cameraman was nice enough to let us in on a little conversation that happened in the ring between Sid and Rick Steiner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which was really funny. <laughs> you know, just like you ready? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just all right. Um, I did catch Sid yelling at Brian Pillman to go for the figure four, uh, which uh, this is really dumb. Uh, this really, once again, this is bearing the move. I mean, it's like really Ric Flair has the magic legs. Like Ric Flair's legs are the only ones that can get people to tap out. Not, not a one of these fuckers, not even Zabisco tapped out to the figure four. All right. It's just dumb. Um, and this is, this is where, Okay. For some reason, I had it in my head that Sid did this powerbomb to Pillman at Wrestle War 92. I don't know why. And uh, so he breaks out that powerbomb, and it's just, I've seen this thing like a hundred times. It's just unbelievably brutal. And I love that Sid like puts his hand on his chest like, you're all right, you're all right. But, here, but I've, since I've never seen this match, I had no idea that Sid picked him up and did it again. <laughs> it was my favorite part of the match. Because it reminded me of when he did, when that match where Sid faces that jobber and does that helicopter power bomb. No, oh, that's yeah. not the finish. It's just like I got one more in me. Do you? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> and he picks him up and yeah, sure. Like it looks like a much safer power bomb. But you know what? <laughs> it's just, when the guy's already fucked as is, I mean, it's, it's like you wouldn't power bomb draws after he fell out of the ring. Right. You know. It's just, right. It's like that guy could be seriously hurt. Um. Elegante is just a big, dumb idiot. He just, just lumbers out there, and he does this thing where he just finish, finish, and Nick Patrick is like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Patrick wasn't there to see the two power bombs. It's 
this was a fun match for the most part up until this finish. It's so awful. I wonder if this is the real finish. Uh, sending no. Eleganti out there. No. I, no. Like, it, it's, what, what was the finish supposed to be? I mean, I don't know what it's supposed to be, but, like, the guy is knocked out. Like, Well, I don't know if he's knocked out. He was knocked he's, out. He's, like, he's talking to Eleganti. He's talking to him before the bell rings. He says something to him. He is like, out on that ground. Like, they had... I mean, granted... Like, nowadays, they have a much better protocol for when something goes bad. You know, like, a ref is right there. Jesus Christ, a guy, like, gets a splinter, and the referee's got the gloves on. You know, wait a minute, right. wait, 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 wait. It takes, it takes a little bit, because I was just watching it. And, um, I don't know if, it, I, I, obviously, Elegante could have been a part of the, uh, the finish, because they had talked about him in the, the cage with Flair and, and Sting or whatever, but... Because I was I was pissed at the end of this match. I was like, "Are you kidding me? We need to put these fuckers over again? Why? What are we doing here?" But then, well, um, when I, I when I was looking at it again further, I was like, "Oh, okay. All right. So he got knocked out, and they needed to. I guess I, this is hilarious. So we'll send Ele, send Elegante out there the to 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 tap him out for us, or do the submit and surrender for it, which was hilarious. It's like, are you really going to send that guy out there to, to clean this up?" Like you could have done anything. Like you could have sent Nick Patrick in and and had him raise his arm three times. You know, like you could have you could have done that. I I really think like if they should have just put him in the corner, because he wasn't completely knocked out. I saw him talking. He was he was he. I don't think he was fine. Brian Pillman says afterwards, like in in and 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 I think it was a an interview he does in ninety five. He remembers going up for the first power bomb, and then he remembers being in the back afterwards. He has no wow. idea what happened in between, unless he he sees he saw the videotape. So yeah, wow. So I mean, um, well, I mean, I mean, that's the. I mean, you can say that about Mick Foley though in Hell in a Cell. He right, but I mean, they don't they the they stumble to finish that because they come up with three different finishes, and they say them. They say a that Elegante submitted for him. They say that Randy Anderson called it off and then nick patrick steps in at the end like no 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 wait a minute i don't want people getting hurt out here i'm not gonna let this happen he gets really angry and defensive well he's the supervisor of officials exactly jason he is the supervisor so he is responsible for this in the end but they can they give you three different ways this match finished choose your own finish (laughs) exactly what it is well neither one satisfactory uh and it really, for me, brought down this match. I what did I give this? I think I gave this a five. Yeah, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly I, the I same thing for me. They can. It's what you, what, what's a bummer is that they, the two of the most fun war games matches, at least that I've seen. I haven't gone back and watched once with like like uh, Road Warriors and stuff. I haven't seen those, but the two that I always remember that were really cool, at least like an uh, an idea and in theory, were this one and the 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 one for ninety two. Which is really well, cool as well. One. But they screw up the finish with both of them. Like they just don't have good finish. And this one is a little bit different than the one the than the one that you get in a year. But it really does. I hate to say that it hurts like it hurts the match and it hurts everything that happened before it, but it does. It really does. Because it sucks that the fucking horsemen have to have to go over in this. But the circumstances are what they are with why. They um they finish the match and everything. I do love there is a moment where Sid wallops Scott Steiner with a big boot and doesn't shatter his leg, which I thought was great. I was, I was like, good for Sid. Um, 
the chops, the absolute savage chops that Pillman and Flair give each other are great. Man, they are just like, fuck you. I will go harder. <laughs> and no, no, no. Um, <laughs> my favorite part of the match, though, is the opening with Wyndham. Because I think Wyndham does an amazing job of bumping all over the ring uh, for Pillman. I think he does a great job at that. His blood is unbelievable. Just, And, and then it's just funny because Flair, not to be outdone, is like, you know what? I can gig too. <laughs> and then it becomes everybody's default move to Ric Flair. If you encounter Ric Flair in the Russell War, just put a just rake his face across the cage. Just do that. It's great. Just do that to old Flair. Get him to scream oh, some Old Flair. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just. It is just a shame about that finish. And then, like you guys said, all the shenanigans afterwards. When I when people kept saying about the finish of this and it like with Dusty and they're kinda of, and, and I was equating it to, okay, is is Pillman gonna get knocked out of this and then Dustin Rhodes is gonna come in and finish it or something? Like I was <laughs> I was waiting for some bullshit like that, to be honest. So that's why when Eligante came out, I was like, is he gonna finish the match? It's like, is that legal? Like can you can, isn't the with this submit we've got the match beyond. Yeah, this is the match <laughs> Wait, it's been more than two minutes. Is it time for someone else to come in? Oh man. But yeah. yeah having you listen to Shivani countdown every every couple of minutes was getting annoying. Yes. Fifteen seconds. <laughs> so uh yeah, I'm right with you guys on that. So um as uh, Charlie, have you already done the? Ra- have you gotten everybody's? Oh, I, I didn't I, get your rating. Five. I gave my five. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've got them all. I okay. Just need to add them up. All right. So go ahead, man. I'm pulling up uh, the the uh, cage match one. What's what's our cumulative on this, man? Oh, just a second. Oh, you ain't done with it. That's what I was asking. I, God dang it. Oh no, I said I was done with. I'm like, just kidding. Now I'm that just, I have your number, I'm I can add it up. God damn. Oh. <laughs> Look out. But yeah, yeah, while you're saying, like, the other two matches that I think that Milt, like, the three and a half, he gave it to the women's match, which agreed that that deserves it. This one's hilarious. I can't believe that this. He gave three and a half to Taylor versus the Z Man. Give me a. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then he gave, you guys are going to love this, three and three quarters to Luger and Spivey. <laughs> Wow. Was he just in, like, another star-giving mood during 91? Like, he's been this past year? Uh, And it's crazy. It's like, I've heard people people who love this show. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. They really dig it, and they love the final match and everything. And I'm like, yeah, the show's all right. It's fine. Um, I don't think it's terrible, but, I mean... I don't know. What do we do with the numbers, Chuck? Oh, this is very interesting. I actually redid the math several times because it just doesn't sound right, but apparently it is. Um, I have the show rated at the highest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first. I've, I tried my hardest, and I still couldn't couldn't get on the lower end. I have it at a 4.65. Uh, Will, you have it at the lowest with a 4.2. I did it. J- <laughs> I did it. <laughs> Jason, you're right in the middle at a 4.4. We gave this show a 4.42. All right, cagematch.net, the average is 6.75. People love this show. One person gave it a 10 out of 10. He's like, fuck it. (laughs) 
Does it do like Yelp in, where you can look at people's other reviews? <laughs> so you could yeah, be like, yeah, hey. wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Wait a minute. There are only two like re- like comments that were put on this, and they're just sort of like they're they're overwhelmingly like positive ones, like an eight and a seven were what these guys gave. So it's they're not they're uh, nothing's gonna top. It's getting a little samey. Nothing's gonna top that. I think <laughs> as far as the <laughs> I'm ready for ECW to die. <laughs> And this was about, you know, the last few shows that we've done, uh, the number doesn't necessarily indicate how we felt about watching the show. This one's pretty close. Yeah, I, that's what it's 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 fine. Like, I don't like like my I think I have it too high. Yeah, I just um, there's nothing it, below a three. If 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 Sid, if that power, bump, a and, you sure. And the thing about like one thing we should oh, say yeah. about Sid's power. What what? Jason does have it too. I just saw it. <laughs> the thing about Sid's Continue. power bomb is, it, it's all because of that stupid cage being too low. Because when he lifts Pillman up, Pillman's feet go directly up against it, and it's it's almost like he indirectly pushes off of it <laughs> toward the ground. In a way, I love that they wouldn't have gone over it. You know, it's just like like the conversation pretty much just went. You think we can clear it? Oh yeah. Well, because you, you look earlier on, Sting tries to do a Stinger splash, and he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> yep. He has to adjust. He does it again later, and he's fine, but he has to do kind of a low-pitched one where his his takeoff is not as high as it normally is, and he's like, eh. It's kind of like the World Tour version of the splash. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, next show is Super Brawl, right? We're doing Super yeah. Brawl. Super Brawl in May of 91, which is, it, I looked, it, it is kind of a Japan-American kind of crossover show, which is kind of neat. It's New Japan and WCW. So that's kind cool. of, it's kind of interesting. So I'm, I'm very excited to see it. I wish we could see that Japan show somehow. So maybe if, if somehow, maybe we'll do that. Maybe. if that ha- yeah, exactly. If, if we're able to get, get some kind of footage of that, I would be happy to do that one before Super Brawl just because... I know there's at least one cool thing that happens, and especially Sting versus Muda would be fun to see. But anyhow, um, you guys got anything else, or you want to go into the the? I, I just didn't know if anyone because it's been it it has been a bit. So, Jason, you got any plugs of anything? You doing anything other than something I'm secretly working on that will be available soon? Ish, no. Charlie, so not a plug. How about you, man? Well, other than, uh, you know, if you, if you like hearing about movies and like hearing me and Will talk about it, we still have the Real Change pod going on. And uh, we, we should have some new episodes coming to that really soon. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that, that takes care of mine. Then. Good deal. Podcast is available mm-hmm. on, uh, we're on Facebook at New Blood Rising Podcast. We're on Twitter at New Blood Pod. I hadn't mentioned on here, we're on Stitcher now. So you can if you like yeah. Stitcher, you can go on there and get your... You can get the podcast on there, and of course, through any other, you know, obviously through iTunes and any other podcast you got for Android or whatever. So, um, yeah, we're on Facebook, New Blood Rising Podcast, on Twitter at New Blood Pod. I'm at William Rinkin eighty three. I'm at the Jason Kiesler. I'm at CM underscore Stabs. And we'll see you guys for Super Brawl or maybe something else. We'll see, but at the very least, <laughs> <laughs> Super Brawl. <laughs>